5: Folks, today is Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. Welcome to a special edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered. Today... We are celebrating the life and legacy of the queen of Creole cuisine, Leah Chase. We're gonna have a jam packed show for you. Carla Hall, uh, many of you know her. She is gonna share her thoughts uh, about cooking with the queen uh, just three months ago. Also uh, joining us uh, in studio will be a Hell's Kitchen winner, uh, Rock Harper. Also, Sheila Kwame will join us. We've got a number of other people uh, who loved and adored uh, Leah Chase, who's going to be calling into the show. We're going to be looking back, and I'm going to play for you. The interview that I did with her just a couple of years ago, uh, where we talked in her kitchen. also had a sit-down interview, talking about food, talking about marriage, and also, again, the importance of living life and loving it. Folks, this is a special edition of Roller Martin Unfiltered, celebrating... The acclaim, Chef Leah Chase. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the- with us today on June 5th. Uh, It was about uh, five days ago. Uh, We lost the great chef, Leah Chase. Of course, the queen of Creole cuisine passed away, surrounded by family members uh, in the city of New Orleans, uh, where she is from, where she cooked for so many years. Of course, we know her from Dookie Chase's restaurant. Of course, the restaurant she uh, had there with her longtime husband who passed away, 70 years they were married. He passed away just a couple of years ago. Uh, She was an acclaimed chef. Of course, uh, she served presidents, every single major figure you can think of. Uh, they, of course, uh, were uh, came through her restaurant. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna show you a video later in the show, Quincy Jones talking about going through her restaurant. And so what we have here is, uh, y'all come on in. So what we decided to do was versus to have a normal show, we decided to have a dinner party for Leah Chase. And so uh, my man, uh, John Murray is here. Of course, he dined there on many occasions. Uh, we got Chef Kwame uh, in the house. I don't wanna mispronounce his last name, so you Go ahead and say. Chef Kwame's fine. What do you say, Chef Kwame? Uh, Rock Harper's gonna be joining us. Uh, Of course, yesterday, Carla Hall wanted to be here. She's traveling, but I interviewed her yesterday. We're gonna play for her. Uh, p- play for you that interview uh, that I had with her as well and we got a bunch of other people uh, a number of other chefs who will love and adore her going to be calling into the show sharing their thoughts about Leah chase and you know look the news one now you guys remember even Washington watch we had various tributes when african-americans who passed who died uh, we did the shows on them also uh, uh, rock here uh, tell rock well let me know when rock gets here see again it's like a dinner party so you don't worry about it so uh, of course a great card ch- uh, chair afro-american studies so at Howard University he drives by great why don't you pop over here just sit down down there uh and uh we were going to be joined by tanya lombard of course the niece of shelf uh, uh chef uh, chase uh but uh she's still grieving and so she couldn't be with us but again we got a great show uh, lined up for you folks uh uh but first we want to we start this thing out first of all let me set this thing up so when i interviewed uh, uh leah chase a couple of years ago uh at her restaurant it was great and she talked about uh fried chicken she talked about uh gumbo she talked about her favorite uh spaghetti and meatballs she talked about all that sort of stuff and so i said well what the heck rock come on in and so i so so rock harper is here of course he wants the hell kitchen rock is bringing in uh the fried chicken so he literally is walking to the door uh and so he got the fried chicken wrapped up uh, Chef Kwame, he brought the jollof rice. Oh, uh, and so we got that. We're going to have bring that out here in a second. Uh, I, I fixed the gumbo and went ahead and made the spaghetti. And so, matter and of fact, rolling, um, I brought Tupperware. Wow, really? And aluminum foil. Really? And really,
4: Ziploc, I'm black, so when wow, I come, really? to a good meal, yes, I come really? to take a good meal
5: home with me as well. Really, so that's I, real I, I'm black.
4: Prepared, yes. That's real black, and Perfect so we prepared. got the, uh,
5: of course, uh, the rock got the fried chicken down there. Uh, and rock, you may want to hold him up the bowl there uh, down there. So what I did was, so you got the meatballs in there, but also I, I make what I call Texas spaghetti. So I, I do a different little thing okay. with barbecue sauce, Italian sausage, and so that's what I have down there. Uh, as matter of fact, that's the one right in front of you, rock. That's that one right there. And so, you yeah, you So, the meat, her, so the a chef chase her meatballs in there, just, just tip it, just, just tip it a little bit, uh, so here we can get a shot of it there on the camera. Uh, so we got that going over there again. We got the gumbo here, and so we wanted to say, you know, versus your tra- traditional show, we said, look, if you're gonna honor a chef, that's it, and you're gonna celebrate her life, let's have a dinner party. Now, some of y'all out there saying, why all these dudes up here? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> at least. Eight different women we invited. Folks were traveling. They couldn't be here, so don't sweat. Some people are going to be on the phone. We got Carla Hall, so don't even try to trip. But bottom line, is that's who could be at Jonah Sunset. So we're going to start this thing off uh, first off. So uh, two years ago. June 29, 2017 I went to New Orleans for Essence uh, Festival and of course as I always did I stopped by Dookie Chase's uh, to see uh, Leah Chase Uh, and so I want to share with you uh, again a portion of the interview so here's how we're going to do this here we're going to play some of the interview we're going to come back uh, talk with our guests and then we go back to the interview so we're going to open this thing up again with my visit to Dookie Chase's.
2: There we go. Don't trust your Roland. <laughs> Look, I, my son was in the military. Uh-huh, And I got you right here, there we go. Hold it, Roland, don't you let me fall on this I floor. got you, I'm I told you I got you.
5: You got okay. Oh, yeah, that's the wrong interview. Okay, so here's a piece. That's the second part of the interview. The first part of the interview was when I was actually meeting her in the kitchen. So I want y'all to get that queued up uh, so we can have that ready. That's the second part of the interview. Uh, no, no, it's, no, it's not. No, that's wrong. So I'm just trying to tell you okay all right so here's what we're gonna do uh we're gonna first do this here uh we're gonna go to our guests first i'm gonna set this whole thing up and then we'll get this thing straight but first uh uh go around the table so first of all people at the table uh who actually met Lil' chase who met Lil' chase I did. Yeah. um let, let's let's first talk about her uh just um the fact that oh, here's you. a woman who loved and celebrated but who took Traditional food there in New Orleans, and again, y'all, this dinner party, y'all can serve plates. Is it uh, somebody going to say the grace? Uh, Lord God, we thank you for the food, thank you for the opportunity, the fellowship, and the mm-hmm. food be nourishing to your bodies, words nourishing to our spirit. In the name of the Son Jesus, Amen. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> who took a uh, food that in New Orleans she talked uh, she talked about it, where it was always about French food, where she's like, no, no, no. Now we we're we going to do the Creole food, which has now become the thing in New Orleans. She, the the uh, Dukie Chase has flipped the switch for the entire city.
1: It was interesting, Roland, thinking about her life. One of the beautiful things about uh, Nana Chase was that she brought, she brought all of black culture together. I mean, even though she's called Creole, it's interesting to see within her family, her mother's side of the family, how she battled even her aunties and grandmother about that notion. She said, I'm not quite sure what Creole is, we shouldn't have black people getting away from us, so you got fried chicken here. She, she said, if you're going to cook in our community, I want it all there, because our people work hard. And I want to serve it with a tablecloth and fans. So, I mean, ultimately, when we taste her food, we're tasting the culture of our people, it seems to me. And when I see you brothers and my friend Carla Hall, who went to high school with, actually, you know, I look at this, you all are the next generation of people who have said, our people created some of the greatest foods in the history of the world, and they should be able to
5: enjoy that food and introduce that food, all of it, to the world. So I'm gonna get the interview set up. Y'all go ahead and have a conversation. Yes, I'll, be, I'll be right back. I,
4: I love to eat the food that our people have created. No question. You know, uh, there's no shame in my game. I was excited when Carla Hall put out her soul food book, because I love soul food. You know, Everybody likes to say, oh, I love breakfast food, and oh, I mean, give me sushi. <laughs> no, I love soul food. And so I first got to uh, eat at Leah Chase's uh, restaurant, Dookie Chase, uh, about a decade ago. It was Um, uh, Maybe right after Hurricane Katrina uh, She was uh, only opening up For lunch hours And a diversity executive Named Joycelyn Allen Had taken me to Essence For an opportunity And so uh, It was the first time She had opened the restaurant up And so Joycelyn's uh, Professional group uh, went in and had the very first meal after Hurricane Katrina in the restaurant. It took restaurant. her two years to get it back T- open. Two years so to get it back So you were that first group that went? We were the first group that went wow. there. And so, um, and and prior to that opportunity, I didn't know a lot of her story, but the the first time you meet her, and the first time you eat that food, you become immersed in her and her legacy and her history and then yeah. learning that she was the inspiration for uh, Disney's Princess Tiana and the Princess and the Frog and, and, and just all the the um, elite and uh, dignitaries and stuff that ate at that restaurant. And it was a pleasure to go there. And literally for the last 10 years, uh, I dined in that restaurant every year while I was there for
1: S's Festival. Wow. So, pick up anything while you were there? Uh uh
4: yeah, probably some weight. Um, John, you and, can cook and, though, and the You can cook though. Well listen, I got <laughs> a great weight in the recipe yeah. that I've learned from cabbage and uh a Ca- kale.
6: kale recipe that I've gotten for you, my brothers. So, yeah, well, you know, I'm pretty sure you perfected wow. it by now.
4: Listen,
6: it's wow. pretty good. Well she is um I mean, you know, I, I had the opportunity to meet her for the first time uh this past October. Um Howard Conyers and um my friend Adrian Miller and Zella Palmer, they had um Howard hosted a Gumbo Jubilee yeah. where it was a celebration of, you know, black food ways and, um, you know, gumbo. Yeah. And uh, just a bunch of, of sort of uh, people, chefs, authors, and just different tastemakers in um, in the industry. Uh, we're all down and we were brainstorming. We had some um, workshops and one of the workshops was at... Uh, Dookie Chase and she came out she was just she she maybe was she was gonna come out Maybe she wasn't first of all I got to sort of before I go into that story I drove from Cape Cod Massachusetts all the way down to New Orleans Wow Um, I was staying up in Cape Cod and I wanted to do this thing and I drove and I was on a uh, a fried chicken tour I think come on man now I think I know come on proud of my fried chicken come on this and bird right here. It's the best bird ever, right? Yes, sir. So, well,
5: you thought i you need to pass it down. I'm Listen, hold say, on, hold on, hold on. Me <laughs> and Kwame down here looking at me. Look at has, Look, man, has has said, the bird. Look, man, man, take that
6: bird now, down that way. I, I thought it was the best bird, and then I, I was eating everywhere, everywhere in about six or eight different states. A lot of places, man. And then, and then when I got to Dookie Chases, I said, yeah, we got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and I'm serious. It was, uh, it was was uh, It was just amazing. And I love how she... You know, really didn't apologize. It's not confrontational space for just cooking black food. We often want to reframe and 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 call it something
5: other than it is. Right. But, uh, I'm gonna do the uh, yoga pass, the uh, spaghetti on down. Go ahead, keep talking, keep yeah,
6: talking. I think um, what 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 she was so important for me. What, what I got out of is how there's no need to sort of apologize or over explain. This is just what we are, who we are, what I love to do and um, let's just let's just cook some it's good it's great food with a tremendous amount of uh, pride and culture and um, you know and history behind it so and she was just so full of life yeah that yeah, was that was like, a, that was I'm like 93 you know Kwame, I mean, you i mean we it's tough to get into a kitchen sometimes and i'm like 93 <laughs> slim i can't ex- it's no excuse <laughs> you know what i mean
1: none, <laughs> none. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was the yeah. cool thing
4: about eating in her restaurant during the Essence Festival is that she would get really excited because, you know, most people don't realize this, but um, from an economic standpoint, we'll the Essence Festival would take yeah. New Orleans and black. put it in the black for the entire year. Oh, yeah. And so that was a weekend that was once uh, isolated in New Orleans. And, you know, it was too hot to be there. But, you know, Essence brought all these black folks down there. It's the largest yeah, yeah. festival in the world. And so she loved the <laughs> influx of people that would come. And the fact that every time I was there over the last 10 years, except for maybe once, she was actually in the kitchen helping them cook the food. She It cooked was most of the food. Yeah, she, it, was a, it was a privilege. To, and we would eat family style, and the food was always great and get a little itis afterwards. So it was just really great. Not a little itis. A whole, well, <laughs> a whole lot of itis. Whole lot. But, but then you get to the concert and you know you dance it all off. So you'd feel good about yourself when it was all said
5: and done. Alright, so we have the uh the interview, the right one queued up. So uh uh here's me, June 29th, 2017, talking to, to great Leah Chase. <laughs> For 76 years, this has been the place in New Orleans to get some of the best food in the city. No, forget that. In the country. And so every time I come here, I got to go see uh, Leah Chase. And so let's go on in here and check out, see what she's doing, and get some of this good food. Damn, the door was locked. <laughs> <laughs> How a <the> door locked. <laughs> we in Dookie Chase. Where's the chef of the house? I know she cooking something, because every time I come here, I find her in the kitchen. Where she at? Y'all know I'm looking for. She ain't that tall, so. Let's see. How you doing? What's going on? How you doing? You all good?
7: She
5: What's happening? Oh, not much. Where the lady in the house? Oh, she's
8: ready. She's in I her know.
5: kitchen. Where's her, her kitchen? This way. All right, oh, y'all, we going to her kitchen. She got her own kitchen. Right.
2: All right. right. Here we go. Right. What's happening? What's happening? You, you know I can't come. You happening. You know I can't come to the city and not see you? Well, I was wondering if you put me down like all the other men. No, no, darling. <laughs>
9: How you all doing? Other,
2: all the other men put me down. You know when you get old, they put you down. <laughs> well, darling, no, every time I come here, I got to come say hey.
5: All right. I decided to bring the cameras this time. You always bring your intimidating
2: machine. They're not
5: intimidating.
2: <laughs> they just always there. They tell the truth. That's right. That's <laughs> right. What you got going? What you What you up to? Everything, man. I. Everything I'm up to. I'm getting ready to make a big patch of gumbo, and I cook my lunch. Got some tomato Mm. basil soup over there. All right. Is this cabbage? Uh, Cabbage. All right, then. One of the few vegetables I actually eat. Oh, oh no. Don't tell me you eat cabbage. I eat cabbage. I I only eat, like, three of them. Oh, shame (laughs) on you. Nothing like a good vegetable. Uh, well, you know.
5: and it, See, and it's perfect, too, because I've been on this 10-day ten ten day green smoothie cleanse for the last 10 days. So uh, I, it officially ends tomorrow so I can actually eat real food. All right. So, yeah, time to coincide with coming to New Orleans. All right. But
2: in New Orleans, <laughs> you know, we don't serve calories. <laughs> you can eat whatever you want. All the rice, all the gumbo, all the fried chicken and baked macaroni, the jambalaya.
5: Yeah, but then the problem is the clothes you brought, you're not going to be able to
2: fit to wear it to the concert. Well, who's problem is that? <laughs> <laughs> I looks like your problem, because you got that before you left home. We don't put that. Oh, uh huh. You see? Uh huh. And you see all those nice shoulders? We put that under your belt. <laughs> we don't like men with big shoulders and with big stomachs. <laughs> that I means we fed them good. <laughs> Well, good one. Yeah, you got it going here. So
5: uh, so what's, what's that be? What's, I see some corn and sausage. Oh, I know you like corn. I do. So
6: what, I
2: what's that dish called? That's called shoot just a little corn shoot Right. You know, that's a Cajun thing. Okay. But, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Right, right. So <laughs> Right. we, we in, in New Orleans, in the Creole community, we just call that stewed corn. <laughs> but they say makshu, okay, it's shoot. So, all right, then. And then we have the cabbage with right. a tomato basil soup. OK. And we're going to give you a lot of fried chicken tomatoes. And what's uh, what my man,
5: what do you got going right here? Turkey necks. Turkey necks. Everybody likes
2: a good turkey neck. <laughs> you know, and that's what the, now that, what's this here that's raw? That's chicken gizzards that we're going to put in the gumbo. OK, all right. You know, you have to have some gizzards in your gumbo. Really? Yeah, oh yeah, you can't have gumbo. Like, first we do the ham shanks in there. You see, I would make that much gumbo. Right. That's going to be about 30 gallons. Right there? 30 what? 30 gallons. 30 gallons!
5: Uh-huh. Now, see, I have, see, I have, um, we, I can't make small pots of gumbo in my house. You, so can't, I have, I you can't, can't. I can't. That little five-quart pot, I, I can't. So I have, um, I have uh, a 20-quart pot. I have two 40-quart pots. And the 60
2: quart, we had to cook that outside. Yeah, because you don't you know, have big enough ketchup. Oh, yeah, no, no, stove. if I cooked it outside with the bunts and Yeah, But do you know <laughs> how to make a gumbo? You know how to make gumbo. All right. Oh, my goodness, absolutely. Oh, all right. I like mine spicy. OK, well, gumbo
5: is always spicy. Now, we had a we had a fierce fight on Twitter. So comedian David Allen Greer yes. swears that you must put okra in gumbo. Now, I told him no because my grandmother from Appaloosa, Louisiana, my grandfather as well, I said, the problem with okra you put in gumbo, okra is slimy. I said, so if you want it, you fix it separate, then put it in that bowl, but you don't put it in the big pot.
2: Well, that all depends on what you're going to do. I And don't go around here telling people okra gumbo is slimy. It is not. It's because you do not know how to cook it. Well, if it stays, I'm saying, like, after it's in the pot. No, it will not. You just got to slow cook it and cook the okra good. OK. And I cook okra every day, not saline. So but do you put okra in your gumbo? Not in this gumbo. Ah. But tomorrow, I will make that much okra gumbo. OK. So all I will have in that okra gumbo tomorrow is shrimp. And maybe okay. I'll put some crab. But you can make okra gumbo. But okra is a thickener. Right. So we don't use that. We use filet, which okay. is the ground right. sassafras leaf. Right. See, I use
5: it? I use filet. So uh-huh. you and see also I like to keep mine simple. So I use sausage, chicken, shrimp. Now my grandmother used hen. Of course. The only problem with that hen, that hen looked tough.
2: But it boils in that gumbo, and boy, it doesn't give the flavor. That's Your true. grandma
5: right. Now what my dad does when he makes gumbo, and he taught me this. So he likes, some people like to have frozen shrimp because it could make it bigger, quicker. But what he does is he also gets the fresh shrimp. With the heads. Well, now what he does is we devein it, we take the shells off, we then boil the shells and then take
2: take the juice from that and put that in the pot. That's good, but you know, you always take that head of that shrimp. And boil it with your shells. Okay. that's where your flavor is.
5: So you're saying get shrimp with the heads already on it. Heads already slice, on it. Slice that head off. Take that, just break
2: the head off. Break the head off. It.
5: Put that in the pot with, with the, the shells, shells. Boil that. Then get you a, a strainer and
2: keep that juice and put that juice uh-huh. in the gumbo pot. But I'll tell you what one thing better than I do, telling him everything. That he'll be running me out of business <laughs> after my... I take those shells and those heads, put them in a pot with a little butter, and let them cook down. Put a little water in them, then I put them in a blender. Shells, everything in a blender. Let them blend, then strain it on. That is like you, bl- okay. you blend the heads and the shells? And then you strain it. You put wow. it in the strainer, And then you got powerful flavor there. You can do no, that. No, I haven't tried that. Because you don't know how to cook. <laughs> Your grandmother knows how to cook,
5: but you don't know how yeah, to cook. Yeah, my grandmother, God rest her soul, she she actually could burn in the kitchen with my grandfather, too.
2: Yeah, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, my neck of the woods, men didn't cook. Oh, no, 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 no. All the men cook in my family. We don't want women
5: in our kitchen. Oh, no? No, no. My, 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 my mom taught my dad how to make gumbo and dirty rice. She can't even touch him now. She doesn't even, Go she ahead. doesn't. Oh no, she doesn't even. If my mama cooked now, it's that's a miracle. My dad does all the cooking.
2: Isn't that wonderful? That's right. I think that's a nice thing to men to do, but in my day, they men were not allowed in the kitchen. Oh
5: no, no. Go no. out
2: there, plow the field, dig the ground, do whatever no. you got to my do. My
5: grandmother had a catering business, so my dad cooked. My brother now runs our family catering business. He's an executive chef okay. uh, in Houston. So good. I used to cook more, but I'm too busy now. So uh, that way, when I go home in Houston, they do all the cooking.
2: Nothing in Houston but oxtails. uh
5: uh-uh. uh no, no, no. I'm trying to tell you, my daddy. Okay, I'm a oxtails and chitlins. I'm gonna bring my daddy. I'm gonna bring my daddy back next time I come, and I'm telling you, you are gonna say let okay, him cook with your, me. I'm gonna see how good he can I'm cook. I'm trying to tell you.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to. My okay? That's a cha- <laughs> that's a bet. That's a bet. That's a bet. That's a bet. I'll see if he can cook, but <laughs> oxtails and chitlins, that's Houston. Well, oh, I, can't, I, I can't do chitlins. <laughs> I'll cuss you out you do some chitlins. I can't <laughs> no. do that. You know, man, I had a man who wanted me to do chitlins, and he was a prominent attorney, and he wanted to do chitlins and all kinds of things, you know, so I don't do chitlins. So you know what I did? I had chicken necks. So when you take the skin off the right. chicken necks, Strip them up? He thought it was chitlins. <laughs> <laughs> with chicken skin. <laughs> See, that's how you do it. That's how I do it. Make, I mock chitlins. <laughs> well, look, you
5: and I are going to sit down and chat in the dining room. All We're right. going to talk about food and you being here. Man, you, you good. And I'm proud of you. Well, I'm I appreciate really it. I'm proud
2: of you. You, you don't don't look
5: good. Well, I appreciate it. You looking it's great. Got the pink on. I got a pink jacket as well. I'm going to wear uh, a, a couple of nights with some white pants.
2: All right. By so the about time men put some color in their like, Oh,
5: yeah, I ain't afraid of color
2: now. Don't be afraid that's of right. color. That's right.
5: That's why I tell my, I ain't even afraid. It ain't too late. They told me, they said, you know, it's hot in the kitchen. I said, yo, I grew
2: up in the kitchen. I said, we we cook with suits on. That's right. You she say, no cook. thing. I love that. You look good. Well, I that's appreciate it. Oh, no, got to do the ass guy. Got to oh. do the ass guy, oh, you right. know. I got to be a little different. Well, that's good. Always <laughs> need to set a trend. I got a friend that's a chef. You may know Marcus. Marcus Samuel. Yeah, absolutely. Marcus wears the weirdest combinations you ever saw. Ah, uh, yeah. So I have another friend, John Bash. I say, John, look at Marcus. Don't dress it like him. <laughs> Put some color in your life. There you go. <laughs> but it's fun. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna head out there and check. Okay. Thank you so much. You're going to the dining room. All right. We'll be back. Okay.
5: <laughs> of course, uh, this is our uh Leah Chase celebration dinner party. Uh y'all heard her challenging me on my gumbo. Yes. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. She, she, but, she looked at you crazy when you saw her talking about her okra. But see, I look, my mama love my mom loves okra and gumbo. I don't like okra and gumbo. I, I, I what you like in gumbo or don't?
3: I only like my mom's gumbo.
5: That's it. You say you only like That's your mom's gumbo? That's like it. you don't eat nobody else's gumbo except your mama's? Mm-hmm. Good lord.
3: Nope. My family has a gumbo recipe, and that's what I associate gumbo with. And I think everyone in New Orleans is like that. It's like the best gumbo is, is in someone's house. Sure. So, like, that's the, that's the gumbo that I love. So, if
5: you don't eat that, you don't eat gumbo.
1: Mm-mm. Sure.
4: Now, I'm, I'm kind of like that about potato salad. I know mm-hmm. Roland doesn't eat any cold food.
1: Hell no. Um, <laughs> hell, <laughs> hell no. <laughs>
4: um, my mother makes the best <coughs> potato salad. So, like, you know, it is the standard in which I judge everybody else's potato salad by. You know, and, and you know, and I love the Caucasian side of my family. You know, and they often like to put raisins and peas and um, <laughs> hell um, no and, and other things like that in their potato put salad. It in y'all, y'all heard
5: John? He just said the Cajun side of his man. I said the Caucasian, Caucasian. the Caucasian. Yes, my, oh. That's Cajun. That's the same thing. My clear, my clear cousins. You know, because they, they like... my side is the Creole. We ain't Cajun.
4: <laughs> but Roland, lo- I, I think I think Leah Chase was a little sweet on you. What was happening
1: there in that what? kitchen? <laughs>
4: Charming.
1: It was a little the heat was on and look I don't mean on the look, stove. Until he mentioned them oxtails and chitlins. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 chitlin. I, I don't do chitlins. Chitlin. I, don't, I don't do chitlins. I, I can't I do she doesn't chitlins. Either. You seriously? Love chitlins. You love yeah, chitlin? So
3: good. Oh, oh. It's so good.
4: I had a birthday dinner yeah. one time. Chitlins? and the gospel yeah. singer killer oh. ordered
3: chitlins. You gotta at cook them right. You have to clean, you have to clean them right. You have to See cook right, them right there. See, stop
5: right there. Yeah. That's the that's the limitation. My y'all, my grandmother, Lord her So, Mel Lamont. Uh, she was, they live eight blocks from us. Mm-hmm. So I go to the house, I walk, open the door, go into the house. The funk of those chitlins oh, yeah. <laughs> hit me. No, you don't understand. I turned right around. I was like, no! <laughs> I was in the front yard. I was like, yo, what you need? <laughs> I could not stand in that house with the funk of those chitlins. It ain't happening. But you- I had I had
6: a chef that cooked chitlin loaf, like, every Christmas in a restaurant,
3: like, and I I grew up Muslim, so so
6: just (laughs) pork pork for me was, you know, non-factor. So it took me maybe 30 years to eat pork once I started really cooking. And then, like, the chitlins, I still, I can't do it, man. It's, that's the intestine, that's One of my
3: favorite parts of the animal. Oh my God. I ain't mad at it, I just can't. So So growing
4: up, my aunt Ann taught me how to cook, and she used to make me wash pig feet. Oh, I was about to say. Wow. Pig feet, I used to have to drink. clean the pig feet before Piggy the hog ears. balls, oh. Hog moths. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. you know, it's interesting. When you... I ain't going to y'all house. <laughs> <laughs> no. <But what> you... <laughs> I'm not... None of us are eating that anymore, <laughs> no, <what you> said, <laughs> no, well, I eat it still. And she would talk about that. She would say, you know, the best food is in the house. Yeah. So yeah. if you come into Dookie Chase's, I mean, in the early days, she said, our people didn't really have money to dine out. It was, yeah. You know, she talked about, you know, um, uh what's my man mark morial's father dutch Uh she said it was a few lawyers we'll be talking to mark morial later so but she said for the most part our people didn't have money to dine they would come out to drink right and so it took a while for them to bring the the food of the house into that space she said people weren't earning lunch and things like that if anybody the musicians like duke and them and they would eat late
5: she said sometimes we'd open to two three o'clock in the morning speaking of musicians do y'all have the uh the quincy jones video ready oh wow yeah do y'all have that video ready let, let, me, let me know you yeah, have ready. So I was on Instagram today, uh, and uh, Quincy Jones posted this about Leah Chase.
0: When I owned WNOL, Channel 38, the TV station on there, every restaurant I went to, they ordered from Leah Chase, Dookie Chase restaurant first, because they knew I wouldn't eat anything but hers. And then she taught me how to make it. And I put a, a layer of white rice, Sautéed uh, sauce shell crab on that, and put the gumbo on top of that. She taught me that. And she sent me the natural ingredients from the Gulf of Mexico. One of the greatest ladies I've ever known. Forget just the uh, cuisine. You know, she was an activist, big activist. She was something.
5: Let's talk about uh, the activist piece. We're gonna do so later, folks. So we're gonna be joined by former New Orleans Mayor Mark Morial, Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. Uh, we are uh, trying to get Andrew Young on the phone as well. I think he's from New Orleans. Uh, and um, that's the other piece. Beyond being this great chef, and she, we, we're going to talk, we talk with her about it, she's going to mention We're going to play a little bit later in the interview where she fed the movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of those meetings in New Orleans, those Freedom Riders, those SNCC workers, those SELC workers, if you were in her that dining room, right on the other side of that wall, that's where they met. Plot it, strategize. She would feed them and they would go out and do work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, oh, go ahead. Now, I
6: think that's amazing. You know, when we talk about, um, you know, Nipsey Hussle and, and the marathon continuing, um, you know, I, well, I, I, I question my impact. Well, I recalibrate my impact in this. We're sort of having a food, you know, renaissance, especially in black food and black culture right now. Um, to, to look at her, I mean, you talk about a marathon, I mean, there was no glory, like, you know, national, you know, there was no TV behind, I'm gonna feed these folks my food and have all these, f- she was just doing it for the love of her her, her food and, and her community and her country, essentially. I mean, I've read a quote uh, yesterday where she was talking about, she said she changed the world. The, the world was changed over um, gumbo and fried chicken. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I just, so when you think about that moment, I mean, she, um, as a black woman, right, in food, yes. during segregation or, po- and po- you know, post-segregation, uh, you just think about, um, I mean, that's just really impactful for me, just having that, that sort of influence and wanting to do that. She really stepped into her calling. It's very empowering.
1: Absolutely. I mean, she, and like you say, black women, a black woman who took the baton from another black woman, her mother-in-law. Right. I mean, her mother-in-law basically ran the the small little takeout place kind of sit-out restaurant they had while her father in law was out moving policy as they called it. They wouldn't call it the number in New Orleans. we're moving policy. <laughs> well and in then, fact you know and then she robs kind of robs the cradle, right? She's 23 I think
5: when she married to right. so her husband. And in fact and in fact she talked about so that She, she, okay, well, then, then she talked she talked about the mother in law, the numbers the numbers running. Yes. Sir. And this whole idea of how she she was not smitten with Dookie Chase no when she first met him. All right, here's a sit-down portion of my interview uh, with the great Leah Chase. All right, no
2: problem, wait. I got you. There we go. Don't trust your old... <laughs> Look. I, my son was in the military. Uh-huh. And I got you right here. There we go. Hold it rolling. Don't you let me fall on this I floor. got you. A I minute. told you I got you. You got me. I got you. Got the chair. Okay, she got the chair. We good. Okay, what is all this? No, my son was in the military, and he uh-huh. had a major. And you know my son is one of those goody 2 shoes. I don't know how he made it to be a captain in a Marine Corps (laughs) because he want everybody to have good treatment, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. So Major told him, look, Captain Chase, don't trust your mama. (laughs) So he calls me Major Hartley because I told him, don't trust your mama. (laughs) Don't trust anybody. So how are things with you? Things are great with me. I am really a blessed woman, Roland, mm-hmm. thanks to people like you, and people in the media who help me. And it's a wonderful thing that you do. I know you get criticized right and left for everything you do. Don't faze me. Don't let it faze you because the media is so important. Mm-hmm. It tells the world where everything is, how it is, that you may tell it like we don't like it. That's another thing, we'll deal with it but keep telling it.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Will do. Now, I was here, I think it was January. I spoke at Dillard uh, right. University. Uh, and uh, shortly after I left, you experienced a loss.
2: Yep. Yep. I lost Dookie. You know, Dookie and I were married 70 years. 70 years? 70 years. That's a lifetime. And it's too funny. People used to say when we got married, they told my mother, oh, this is not going to work this girl is going to ruin your business. Because I was five years old. Dookie was only 18. Mm-hmm. I was 23. So this, this is not going to work. But Dookie had been on the road since he's 16 years old with a big band, 17-piece mm-hmm. band. So he was kind of mature for his age. But we made it for 70 years.
5: 70 years?
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's easy. And I tell that to Owen. It's easy. You know how men are. <laughs> no, how are we? You know, don't worry about them. Sometimes they are stupid. So you just ignore them. Let them go. Push them back, know where to push about when to pull them in. That's
5: how you got to 70?
2: That's how I got to 70. Well, my parents been married 50 years this year, so. Uh... They know how to do it. Yeah. Know, you know, they know what to do. You don't sit up there and go toe to toe with a man. That's stupid. You would run in the show anyway. <laughs> You're <laughs> the big boss anyway, so just cool it and let him make believe he's having his way.
5: <laughs> so. Now, this place has been here 76 years.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, How did it start? Well, it started with my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was another go-getter. My father-in-law did what you call in your neck of the woods, you call him a numbers runner. (laughs) But in New Orleans, we are very sophisticated, so we call it a lottery vendor. (laughs) Doesn't that sound good? Yes, that sounds very good. (laughs) He was a lottery vendor, and he sold the numbers all around. That's how he made all his money. Mm -hmm. And you know, in those days, you played what they call a gig, three numbers for a nickel. Now, if those numbers came out on this 12-number list, you won nine dollars for your nickel. But Dookie, Big Dookie, we used to call my father-in-law, he didn't play for a nickel. He would be bet maybe ten, fifteen dollars on his numbers. Wow. His numbers was three, five, and eight. When three, five, and eight came out, everybody knew Duke <laughs> <So>, hit. <laughs> so that's how he started. My mother-in-law borrowed $600 from a brewery to start. And every time the man would bring his beer, she'd pull, pay him back a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Try that today. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do pay. that. can't do that. Now, this, now, obviously, it, it, it didn't start this size. Uh-uh, we were just a bar on the corner. Mm-hmm. Just on the corner. We had the bar and tables on the wall. But my father-in-law was. And this is the original location. Uh-huh. Okay. This corner is the original location. Uh huh. But she started there selling her sandwiches because then he, he my father-in-law, was very sickly, also terrible ulcers, and he was always sick, so he couldn't go out to his customers. You know, you had your customers you go out mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Him. So she opened up a little sandwich shop, and she would take the numbers <laughs> in the sandwich shop and sell her sandwiches. So it started with her. So how did you? get into this thing? You know, I don't know how I got in here. <laughs> Were you a dupe? <laughs> Look, I was, I was waiting as a waitress at the French Quarter, 1940, 41. And I said, oh, boy, I like this. You know, you try. I'm the top of the line. My mother had 14 children. She raised 11 of us. Mm. So here I'm the top of the line. Well, they got me through high school. At 16 years old, I was graduating from St. Mary's Academy, so I had to find something to do. Didn't know what to do other than housework or cleaning, so I came here and I got this job as a waitress. Had never seen the inside of a restaurant in my life. Really? mm But the lady put me on the floor, she told me what to do, and the next day she put me by myself. So here I am trying to wait tables, that I don't know. Lady comes in in the morning, she orders hot cakes. I said, well, would you like some toast with your hot cakes? <laughs> you know what? You know what hot she cakes said, were? What? Toast with hot cakes? I don't want <laughs> So you learn as you go. And then, you know, I would be in the flow, but I would move to the kitchen. In those days, people stretched themselves a little bit more. I would even go in the kitchen and wash dishes Mm -hmm. and look at the chef. And I always asked him, well, I don't see any ladies in this kitchen, no women in here. He said, because they can't pick up the pots. Oh, I said, wait a minute. I don't see him picking up pots. (laughs) He's the executive chef. He's not picking up pots. Somebody else is picking up those pots. But then I began to really like it. And in 1945, I met Tookie. And it was unbelievable because I didn't like musicians at all, Mm -hmm. hated musicians. I didn't like them at all. I liked people like boxers and people with physical strength. Mm -hmm. And here comes this little musician. (laughs) (laughs) And then we came in here and I I just came in with my mother-in-law and tried to, I said, no. On this side of town, we gonna do just what we did on the other side of town. Only difference in people is the color of their skin. I rule, it. that was so stupid <laughs> because you have different cultures. Right. You eat different things. You, you different. Don't, and it, I like being yeah, different. Nothing wrong with being different. Nothing wrong with being different. I like being different. So, I said we gonna change. First thing I put on the menu: lobster thermidor. <laughs> <laughs> And black folks said, where y'all get her from? Yeah, that's what they say. Oh, she's going to ruin you, Emily. My mother-in-law's name was Emily. Emily, she's just going to ruin you. Who in the world wants this? I had to back up and start doing the things that I knew how to do, like stuffed chicken breast, maybe with oyster dressing, and jambalayas, uh, shrimp creoles, and things that people like to eat. Mm-hmm. Then after integration came, then we were allowed to go in other restaurants and they learned to eat more things. Mm-hmm. You know, to me that was the worst thing that segregation did to us. It kept us from learning. Look what you lost. Right. Look at the resources they lost by not educating black people, by not training them, by not showing them things. Look all the resources we lost. What was the first
5: thing um, you ever remember cooking?
2: Even as a kid, the first the first thing? here uh, here are in the restaurant I worked in the French quarters when I worked at the coffee pot after she Ms. Moore was scaling down, she was getting older. And she didn't want this dining room with the tablecloths and all that. She was trying to downsize. So she opened up this place called the coffee pot and it still exists. So we had, went to the coffee pot selling hamburgers and breakfast and things like that. So we said, you know, Miss Boyle, we would like to put on one hot lunch. People are tired of hamburgers and they're tired of sandwiches. She said, well, if you think you can do it, there were three girls. I was 18, the other girl was 19, one was 16, three We were in that restaurant. So She let us do it, and we don't know what the heck we're doing. We don't know what to put on. So first thing we put on was what we ate at home, Creole Wieners and Spaghetti. <laughs> For Creole wieners and spaghetti on the menu. <laughs> on the menu, <laughs> Creole wieners. That meant you make a good tomato sauce, put those wieners in there, put them over spaghetti. That's what we ate at home. So, but, you know, it worked. It, it worked? It worked. It worked. <laughs> it worked. So sometimes I say, here we go back to depression. Creole wieners and spaghetti. Creole wieners and spaghetti. You put down on the menu now. They'll say, uh, I think she's lost it, y'all.
5: I think she's lost it. Y'all see why I wanted to do this because it was just so much fun uh, sitting talking to her because uh, of all her different stories uh, Joining us right now folks is someone who knew Leah chase very well uh, He of course uh, a lieutenant a uh, Reverend dr. Martin Luther King jr. Uh, welcome to Roland Martin unfiltered Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. Reverend. How you doing? Roland
10: God bless you. Roland this interview is a piece of artwork. It should be in the African American Museum in Washington because it was more than food at, at, at Dookie Chase. You know, it was uh, between Houston and Atlanta, and Atlanta, of course, was 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 Beeman's and H&H and Paschal's. And, Pascal's. and uh, Washington was Simpsons, and New York was uh, Red Rooster. And these were our, our watering holes, our stopping places. So people in New Orleans like Mahalia Jackson and Reverend... Uh, Bishop Jackson and Dr. King and Mark Mark, Mark father uh, and and all of us would always gather. And the thing about the outstanding food and service at, at, the, at, the, at the Chase, it survived integration. Many restaurants went out of mm. business. They did not have the the appeal, or the stature, uh, frankly, the the, the, the the other stuff that goes with a restaurant. And, she said, and it became a, a, a lot of frame of even for white people. You know, sometimes you couldn't get in the place for white people. It became a frame of reference. And um, everyone calls me. I'm in Boba I had dinner there. And B.B. King and I had breakfast there. And uh, Jenna Taylor and Sam Cook. everybody stopped at Dickie Chase. Miss Chase was always first of uh, service and food and uh when we were in the deepest dog pop segregation couldn't couldn't eat out we eat out we always go and feel good about it because we were in the first class place and it was
5: well reverend that's one of the reasons why i, I wanted to do this uh first of all that's why also uh i created this show is because i, I still contend that our heroes and sheroes when they pass away um unless they are an aretha franklin or someone who has been accepted by mainstream media, uh, they don't necessarily get uh, their just dessert. So, luckily, we had opportunities. Well,
10: a reason pregnancy there, and a uh, uh, Father Reverend Sealer pregnancy, all of us, we made the Dickens we, we ate there, and we bent them. We, we organized strategy there. I mean, Dutch Morell we organized his campaign for the mayor there. That was a big deal. When Dutch became mayor of New Orleans, that was a big, big deal at that time. One of the first mails in the in the Deep South, my God and mobilized all of New Orleans and, and, and the house, design housing project across the street. Uh, Reverend Paul Morton, when he was in his uh, early beginning years, always eat, 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 it was the place. It was. It, it became, a, like Pastor's Atlanta, Pastor's, a frame of reference. In many ways, like Gladys was for a long time in Chicago, it was a frame of reference. And so we, we are indebted to her, feeding us and also giving us a place of dignity and decency we just feel good about
5: ourselves. Reverend, last question for you. How important is it for this generation and future generations uh, to keep telling these stories, to remembering uh, these ancestors, uh, because nobody arrived where we are today on our own?
10: Well, the Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks our motherfuckers have set. And, and, and if, you, if you don't have a frame of reference, you are lost. I mean, if, if, if it's like a boat, and the dog was, was out of the lighthouse. You know, a frame of reference. I live in Chicago now. You have a generation of African-Americans who are more educated. They've been to the Big Ten schools. But now we've lost all the Black banks, we've lost the key restaurants. They have, everything except since the entrepreneur, knew since the drive. Uh, Miss, Miss Chase, was, Chase she was looking for a way to start business, not just to eat downtown, but to have a place of business. She hired people. And people who came out of jail, many of them, rolling over, of course, couldn't even they, 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 they could work for her. It was a place of second chances. If everything about Dr. Chase made and makes sense, I commend I'll being there again in, in, in a memory and
5: in an honor. Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr., we appreciate you joining us to honor Leah Chase. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Um, when you hear Reverend lay that out, Kwame... It does cause you to say, well, "Wait a minute, hold up." A lot of us, we just went to the restaurant, mm-hmm. but to think that when well, he made the point, but one of the things that survived integration, because so many of our institutions have disappeared,
3: It fell because of it. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest testaments that I took away from, you know, having Leah Chase like a living legend, you know, while we were here. Running a restaurant is difficult. It's it's always incredibly hard. Most fail. I've had my share of successes, my uh, share of failures. But whenever i thought about leah chase and what she did and what she had to go through they were minus my problems were minuscule compared to hers um and that's why i honored in my restaurant her quote is on my wall it's on which quote is that it's uh everyone can cook good food if you just put a little love in it
5: <laughs>
3: and it's the truth how you talked about the gumbo you know you're like man I wish I had this one hot sauce I can put in it. And I really
5: look, like that passion. I literally called my dad. I was like, okay, I need a substitute. Because I'm yeah. missing what I want. What's the substitute? But that passion leads to good food
3: because you're putting care into something. And there's no way it's going to be bad. You know? And that's what I think she was talking about. But with her just focusing on food, she was able to transform a nation um, by just caring about her food. Yeah. So...
4: I love, I love the showcase of black art that was featured in the restaurant. Oh, man. Um, I thought, you know... um, you know, it, it just added to the ambiance and to the historic nature of what she was doing and how she was doing. Um, cause while you were there eating this great cuisine, you could also walk around and, and see, and sometimes you'd go back and see these pieces and they'd be gone cause folks would come and they want to buy the pieces yep. and stuff. Um, so I love the fact that she was about giving back and also providing a showcase for these artisans and these artists in New Orleans as well.
5: Now I know, I know you have to, I know you have to go, you have another engagement, but uh, later in the interview, one piece that she wanted on her wall okay. was a piece of artwork from George W. Bush. Oh, wow. And you, uh, I, wait till y'all hear this. Wow. Now, out of all the presidents she served, wait till you hear what she had to say about George W. Bush and what kind of a man he was and how he enjoyed her food. It was, it was an amazing part of the interview. Amazing part of the interview. Uh, we're going to be joined in a moment by uh, Mark Morrell. I want to now play uh, another excerpt from my interview uh, with the great Leah Chase. about food that is so interesting. It, 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 folks in Louisiana, my grandparents uh, on my mother's side from Opelousas, Louisiana. Oh Louisiana. my god, home of the good cooking. They, oh absolutely and they yeah. say for other people um, uh, uh, eat to live whereas folks in this state live to eat. We do. But just, what, what is it about food that is just totally different than anything else?
2: You know people people come to my kitchen Mr. Martin, and they ask me that all the time, it baffles them. What about your food? What is this? I don't know. We do, and they come to New Orleans and they think they're going to eat here and eat different. We eat just about the same thing, whites and blacks alike, because that's the way we came up. And I think it's just how we do things, and we believe in making a lot over what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, the Creoles of color, didn't realize how important that cooking and that sewing and the the plastering and the carpentry. They took it for granted. They just did it. But it was masterful work. They took time and it tastes good. It tastes good. So, you know, when I came in the kitchen, big restaurants were not serving jambalayas and things like that. They were serving French food and things cream sauces, shrimp, Newberg, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So then everybody started coming to eat what we cook and the way we cook it. And all of a sudden
5: we changed them.
2: We changed them. You know, in this restaurant, I feel right, in this room and in that little goal room, we changed the course of America. Because all the freedom riders that left from here, like Rudy Lombard, Dodie Simmons, and uh, all those people that at the castle, those people that left here, they would meet here before they would leave. All I would do was serve them a bowl of gumbo and some fried chicken. They would make their plans. They would go, come back, clean up, bowl of gumbo and fried chicken. So <laughs> I'd say we changed the course of America with a bowl of gumbo and a fried chicken. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the, 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 the we thing- need to tell that to Mr. Trump. <laughs> Give him a bowl of gumbo and some Give fried him a chicken. bowl of gumbo and some fried chicken. <laughs> that's right. right. And, he, and he might act right? He'll act right. <laughs> he how, how, how many presidents have you fed? I fed two here. Two here. And Mr. Clinton, I worked with him in Atlanta because he was a friend of the Aaron's, Hank Aaron, in mm-hmm. his life. So he would come to Hank's birthday, and that's where I met him. He is something else. I met Mr. Clinton. And when, he, when they introduced me to him, if you'd see that picture, I need to put it on the wall. You would think he knew me for 100 years. He didn't know me at all. <laughs> didn't know me, and I didn't know him. But that's how much charisma the man right. had. And then I fed Mr. Obama, which was a delight. Was right. Who was the other president? George W. Bush. Really? Now, let me tell you about George W. Bush. Wasn't our best president by far, but a nicer man you could not find mm-hmm. He never hit this city unless he sent for me, Roland. Really? Every time he came, he sent for me. So when he came, he sent the security for me. And we were having dinner at Commander's Palace. I get there the way to say, well, look where you're sitting. the chase right next to him. He always sat me right next to him. I don't know why, but that's where I was sitting, <laughs> right next to him. So when I was at the dinner, he said, do you want to fix breakfast for me? Or, or I don't, but how you tell the president, no. <laughs> you do tell the president, no, you say, yes, I'm going to fix this paper. So, the man came the next morning with the president of Mexico and the prime minister of Canada. No fanfare, no nothing. And the pictures on the wall out there, I cooked them quail and grits and shrimp. Oh, he loved it. But he was just kind to me. And he, and I said, you'll <laughs> hear from his people. I said, "Well, he's painting. I don't see a painting on my wall by George W. Bush. You better do something." <laughs> you told him, you told his people that? I told that to Carl Rove. Yeah, get me a painting. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> now, President Carter sold a painting for half a million dollars, so I might not get a George W. <laughs> <laughs> Bush. Well, I'm I, 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 being a native Texan. I'll, I'll also put a phone call in for yeah. me to make that happen. Yes, yeah. he was a kind man, and I was really proud of his mother. Because, you know, you educate children and you bring them up and they may not do their job to perfection. But if they're kind, that's a plus Mm -hmm. because there's no excuse for people to be ugly. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you do, you don't have to be ugly. And he was a real kind man. He ate here twice and here comes the media. They want to know why he ate here twice. He didn't eat anywhere else twice. I said, I don't easy. Care. The yeah. food's good. Yeah, he, he enjoyed it. So and he was really kind to me. He really was. Okay. So I'll never forget him for that. Well
5: we'll we'll, we'll, we'll tell that Trump fella. Uh <laughs> yeah, maybe the baby some food will change him. All he does is
2: eat McDonald's and eat uh his steak with ketchup. <laughs> oh Lord, ketchup. He eats and steak and, with ketchup. Oh my God, he would, oh, ask Mr. Obama, hit by Mr. Obama in ketchup. No, Mr. Obama came here and first thing he could do is order his gumbo. That's all well and good. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm a fryer chicken. Chicken can hold on the plain coal. You can he sits <laughs> down with his gumbo and he takes the hot sauce <sighs> in my gumbo. Hadn't even tasted it yet. I said, Oh Lord, Mr. Obama, you don't put that stuff in my He (laughs) didn't even take it yet. Oh no, no. (laughs) My my daddy would cuss me out if I did that. So now the neighborhood, you know how my neighbors are. Some of them were good, good people. Some of them were the worst people in the world, but they were my policemen. Right. (laughs) They were everything to me. So they said, Miss Tookie, you told him right. Don't be messing up your (laughs) gumbo. (laughs) <laughs> now I take it, he didn't do that again. No, he didn't do that again. He <laughs> did, he did I forgot it, because the world knew Mr. Obama put hot stuff in Liz gumbo. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Rock Harper, uh Rock Harper, the uh the it did go national when he put when Obama put a hot sauce on Leah Chase's gumbo. Did it? That thing went all over the country. Uh-huh.
1: It was on the front page of the New York Times, the obituary had a picture of Obama and it made that point. On the front page of yesterday for yesterday <laughs> in New York Times. Really? He messed up the gumbo. No <laughs> question tried to mess up the
6: gumbo. As a chef, I kinda, okay, yeah, you gotta live with that one. Uh. Mr. President. Oh, yeah, no,
1: no. He's he taking he that L.
6: Yeah.
5: He's he taking that L. But,
1: but, but it's also important not, not to miss the, when she said her hood, folks, because she could have moved many times. They wanted her to move across the street after Katrina. You know, here's your chance. Housing project. But that is because she wouldn't
5: move because she said, if I move, this neighborhood flattens. And she also, never. they never got hit. No, they didn't. The artwork, which is the... She, she made, said no one touched that restaurant Uh -uh. and when you think about whatever she said about they never they never got robbed right Hmm. they never got they no one ever stole that place that place that was a monument nobody touched dookie chases and it's important like like i said artwork
1: alone who cares about george w bush's painting she got paintings from jacob lawrence elizabeth catlett lois may lou jones you name it, John the great John Biggers, many of them free. They just gave them to she was the first person of any background to put artwork in restaurants. But well, she said lot, she said
5: a lot of folks right. gave her artwork uh to feed them. Yes. Mm. Yes. And then she was like, that thing worth something now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, Roland, they could have broken in on that yep. artwork alone, brother. The, I mean, priceless. You can't, but the point is that you could walk in there across the street get a meal if you didn't have any money work at the restaurant and you're walking underneath artwork that is in art galleries around the world now that if it were appraised at a number that would blow the minds of the people but it was in the neighborhood she never put dookie chases out of the reach of the people
5: that made her yeah. mark Morial, of course longtime mayor of new orleans his father dutch Morial, the first black mayor of new orleans he joins us right now on roland martin unfiltered uh, Mark, of course, now the CEO of hey, National Urban League. Glad to have you. Uh, I, 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 wanted, right. I, I wanted to do this, again, not, not because uh, I, I knew her, I interviewed her, because, but also because the nation really needs to understand the, the institution that she was, not just for New Orleans or for Louisiana, but really for Black America and the United States.
0: Yeah, and like like so many African-American restaurants, to really understand uh, Leah Chase and the Chase family, you got to go back to the 1940s, the 1950s, and the 1960s, uh, where Dookie Chase was a restaurant, a bar, uh, and a takeout. But what it was, it was a community meeting place, a community gathering place. Look, I remember the upstairs... Uh, room that everyone has talked about. I remember that room. I was in that room many, many times uh, as a boy and as a young man, the upstairs room that you could, couldn't could find unless you knew where it was, where many of the civil rights meetings took place in the 1950s and the 1960s. Cookie uh, Chase was a place where strategy was made, where plans were undertaken, where marches uh, were discussed, where political movements uh, were born. The chases Extremely close. Uh, uh, Mrs. Chase's mother in law uh, and and, uh, father in law uh, were very close to my grandparents. Mrs. Chase and my father were like a play brother and play sister. Uh, When he ran for mayor the first time in 1977, the Chases were the first, uh, one of the first families to make a major contribution to his candidacy when he was a long shot. Uh, a candidate uh, during my time, it was a place where we met when the National Urban League uh, hosted our conference there in 2012. We we rented out the entire restaurant uh, to to be able to uh, share with guests, and and so it was a community gathering place. Now, Mrs. Chase was a man, a woman of incredible wisdom and insight, and kindness and generosity and. Uh, just a unique person, a tremendous person. Last time I saw her just a a month or two ago, uh, she was in her kitchen sitting down. She was taking uh, uh, corn off the cob to make one of her famous uh, crab and corn soups. So she worked until she could not work anymore. uh, And people came there to pay homage to Mrs. Chase. The fact that the Bushes and the Obama, Bush and Obama, as presidents ate there, I just think demonstrated what she meant uh, to the nation. But, uh, you know, this is where Ray Charles, this is where uh, Marvin Gaye, this is where Louis Armstrong, this is where all of the great uh, Martin Luther King and Thurgood Marshall, this is where they ate when they visited New Orleans in the 1950s uh, and the 1960s. And it was that kind of place. And I'm so just just, uh, thankful to you, Roland, for paying tribute to our contribution to the nation and, and for devoting a great deal of time to help people recognize her. And I want people to have the confidence. There's another generation of Chases. Uh, her, her grandson is a is a tr- professionally trained chef who has a little catering business. Uh, her daughter, uh, they, they're going to continue. They'll continue. It'll never be the same without Leah. Uh, but it's going to be cookie chases if they just keep those secret recipes going that that, that have been passed out uh, it's going to be great for many many generations to come.
5: Well Mark I'm glad you said that there was somebody who came to our Instagram page who said that they planned on going to her restaurant uh, next month for Essence Fest and uh, now that she died they were not I said no you are to go right. and to honor
0: her. You are to go honor her and they will be there they they will continue. Look, I, you know, since I've been going there, rolling since I was a little boy with my grandparents and my parents, uh, and I go back in the kitchen every time I visit. Uh, the people who are back there were like Mrs. Ch- They've worked there for years. They uh, were stalwarts, they were dedicated, and it's just an incredible feeling. Uh, to go into the dookie chases and go back into the kitchen. And, you know, not a lot of restaurants will welcome people back in the kitchen. But she said, come on yeah. back and say hi to me. Yep. Go back there and say hello to her, take a selfie with her. And she said, what you doing now, baby? What you doing now? And uh, <laughs> just an incredible woman. And, look, this woman, this great woman lived to be 96. Yes. What a life. Almost a century. She kept on... Keep it on
5: until she could go no more. Absolutely. Mark Morial.
0: Your God, your God called here. Hey, Roller, well, thank you. I see that effort. Yes, sir.
5: I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, and Kwame, uh, I mean, literally, she was in the kitchen every day to the very end.
3: I believe it. I mean, I watched her get a Lifetime Achievement Award at the James Beard Foundation. And that was extremely inspiring for me, you know, to see a woman of color, but also to know her legacy. That she earned it you know she lived a lifetime and
5: even though they she, gave it to her when she was 93. they should have given it to her before but it's 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 fine <laughs> i'm just she, saying hey she was recognized. yeah yes
3: absolutely you know, and it's good to be recognized and especially when your work transcends food and it transcends the the art that that you're really focused on that's when you know you've made a huge impact
5: um john know you got to go final word
4: Listen well. First of all, I want to thank you all for the wonderful food here tonight. <laughs> <and spiritually laughs> all right. I'm I'm going to begin to prepare my exit. Pack. Yes, yes, well, yeah. What you
3: are going to do before you leave is compare chicken bones because. Um, oh
1: well, yeah. I think you may. I'm more. a Nigerian. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, right, it. you, you like, clean yeah. that sucker. <laughs> Mama, right, she sucked. Right, in right. you now, clean. Damn, I you. Kwame, you right. clean that bone. You got to zoom in on this. Y'all, zoom in on Kwame's bones. You definitely Nigerian because I see the marrow hanging out. Oh yeah, I'm not done either.
3: Why? They clean
5: the hell out of that! that like, Put yours up. Put yours up.
3: Oh, yeah, oh, it's not
5: clear. Oh yeah, yo, now no 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 no, 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 no. John yeah.
3: Bougie. That's that, that, that's a he bougie wing right, nice right there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> when, when I'm around my clear cousins, I do eat Look at my fried <laughs> chicken
8: with
3: the night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. That paprika.
4: But I. I'm excited to be a part of this. Um, um, I'm excited to have met this woman and had dined at her table. Um, And and I'm excited to see uh, my brothers here, Kwame and Rock, be inspired by her journey. I'm excited that you have this Carla Hall interview later in the show, where she talked about her new book, uh, uh, the new Soul Food book, and really revisiting our roots, and we as people of color have to stop being ashamed of our foundation and ashamed of our legacy. And, we, and we've got to stop letting other people, mainstream culture, tell us that things aren't good for us and our culture isn't what's good about us. Um, and so embracing that, celebrating that, um, and remembering that. Um, continues our legacy. It advances our history. Because if we don't know where we've been, we don't know where we're going. And so, um, and I know that I'm going somewhere soon. But I'm going to be taking wonderful leftovers with me. <laughs> and I'm going to be thinking about you guys as I eat your great food throughout <laughs> uh, the day tomorrow during lunch. So you might be, lessons. you might
6: be the realest one here, man. You brought oh, foil, and- I
4: mean, ziploc bag, and tupperware, and a carry on bag, so that I could make sure everything was. <laughs> place
5: properly after <laughs> I <packed> it up. <laughs> yes sir yeah. alright John Murray I That's appreciate right. it <laughs> uh, folks John Murray uh, what's the website uh, just if, uh, find
4: me uh, everywhere on social media J-A-W-N uh, last name Murray and then on Facebook John Murray World so find me there J-A-W-N no I'm not from Philly my mama knew nothing right, about John. the slang <laughs> John. she named me
5: alright all right. All right, folks we're gonna go uh, play our next installment of uh, the interview with Leah Chase. When we come back from that, we're going to talk to the great chef Joe Randall. We'll hear from Carla Hall, and we'll also hear uh, from some other chefs and other leaders across this country as we celebrate the life and legacy of the queen of Creole cuisine, Leah Chase. She passed away Saturday at the age of 96. Uh, this uh, special edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, Dinner Party is all in honor of her. Uh, here's the next installment. Uh, about uh I, I look at my family, huge family, and whatever we get together, I mean, food is a central part. It's just we literally congregate in the kitchen. Uh That's the important. men in my family cook. We tell the women, y'all gonna sit down. Uh we, we like it that way. Uh, and plus, but my mom said, Look, I'm not gonna have two sons if they bachelors, they ain't gonna be sorry. So we knew how to cook, bake, do uh, everything. All that, all that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, but but the thing about cooking to me that's great, is it's one of the few things in life where you're able to take something from nothing, that's and then right. it ends up, and then you get to play with it. So I because you talk about experimenting. I I, I was in college and I didn't have all I had was said spaghetti. I'm in college. All I had was I had some noodles, I had no tomato sauce, I had no meat. And I was hungry. All I had was some barbecue sauce and the noodles. And I <laughs> sat there and I went, OK, I'm going to try this. And so I put it together, it tastes good. So then, when I got some money, I went ahead and got some meat sauce. That led to what I call my Texas barbecue, where I li- excuse me, my Texas spaghetti, where uh. I don't use tomato sauce. Mm. I literally would use spaghetti, barbecue, barbecue sauce. sauce, then I threw with meat sauce. And then one day, I was in the store, I decided to say, oh, I'm going to put some Italian sausage in here. And so my brother, who's an executive chef, what is you know, what is wrong with you? You know barbecue sauce. He was you know all being all bougie <laughs> a barbecue sauce. But we go to his house, and we walk in the kitchen, and he's fixing spaghetti. As we know, he fi- all of a sudden, I see a bottle of barbecue sauce on the counter. I said, "Oh, <laughs> you've been privately making my spaghetti." But trashing me, <laughs> that means you know it was good. Watch him, watch
2: him. And I tease all the chefs do all this. I say, y'all stealing my stuff, but I'm going to steal yours right <laughs> But cooking is just, you create something. You create something as you go. And, you know, and you can't say, I copied this from nobody. If you work with a thing and you may have, like he took your idea, well, that worked. So why not spread it around? Now, do you even now when you cook go, I'm gonna throw this in there. I do that sometimes. I do that. Right now I'm working, and I shouldn't tell you this because you'll be all over Washington selling my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I say, they, don't, you know, they don't cook that well in DC. Oh, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna do some what I call fish ribs. You know, like we do the red fish and we to line it close to the barn to get all the meat while well, I will leave enough meat on the bone, and then put that in the oven and bake it with some tomatoes and stuff. And I'll hold that fish ribs. Fish ribs. If I see fish ribs anywhere around you, you're dead. you hear me? <laughs> no, that's, that's, no, that's a little too complicated for me. I mean,
5: you, you're trying to keep the meat on the
2: bone. Trying, that, that's a
5: little too complicated there.
2: Because I had a friend. He was a good artist, John Scott. And whether we to line fish, we always had to fry the bones for him, because that's what he wanted, the meat off the bone. Mm. And that is the good part of the fish.
5: Now, you just mentioned, you mentioned he's an artist. So, what's up with the art in here? You, uh, so, you had this commissioned?
2: The glass. Well, in? Yeah, the glasses were done when we moved in here in 1984. I wanted a divider there. And I wanted visibility for the waiters where they'd go down the hall, they could still look here. Mm-hmm. So, I did what it, I said, we'll put stained glass. Well, poor Dookie. You know, Dickie said, Good, I like stained glass. He thought I was gonna do church windows or something. <laughs> but I came up with what I had, he said, told the children, I think your mother's crazy. Your mother's losing her mind. Who in the world was that? But it tells the story of my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we didn't wear rags like you wear today. Right we sold the rags to get our snowballs all right so that's coins. why you
5: see so they're playing here so you're selling snowballs
2: here uh-huh. we have got numbers here yeah okay. the, the hopscotch and that's what you played on the side and is this next one is this church is this no, uh that's a game my children played it's called rock teacher and you hold a i guess what's in your hand and you go up a step you mm-hmm. go up a step so it just talks to you a little bit. And then you got all this all this other art in here. So all, are these friends of yours? Friends of mine. People... I am fortunate to be have been friendly with Elizabeth Catholic, with my dear wow. friend. Wow. Sabella Lewis, John Biggers, Jake Lawrence. So I was lucky. And artists never have food. They want food, so we swapped. I came out <laughs> of the good end. There
5: you go. So you <laughs> said, hook
2: me up with a painting.
5: I'll I'll hook you up with some some food. food, Oh, yeah, you came out. I'm I'm sure there's some uh, art
0: dealers uh,
2: who come in this place. And they said, hey, can we talk? And you said, no, you can't touch that one. Can't touch none of them. Because, you know, I never put any emphasis on value, it's what they mean to me. I feel like when I look at the upper room, I feel like John Biggers is there with me. Mm-hmm. John Biggers was the nicest man he his admiration for women with Texas Southern was University was unbelievable he He was just the kindest, gentlest man, and he depicted women as hard working people mm-hmm. and I like that about well, you know Elizabeth was just Elizabeth. she was one of the best sculptors you're going run across. She's really good, and she liked fried oysters. So when she came, Miss always came for her fried oysters. She, you know, Lena Horn always came for her fried chicken. Sarah Vaughn always came for her stuffed crabs. So I, Lionel Hampton was the trip. Lionel would come, and you had to feed him in little bowls. Little bowl of greens, little bowl of sweet potatoes, little bowl. Because he knew bowls. he was gonna eat a lot. <laughs> so he ate it all in little bowls. So. That, but they were so you've seen everybody, everybody through here, everybody and and everybody came, and they would just it just makes you feel good when people think about you mm-hmm. when they think about you, it's uplifting. that's why I try to do that with people, Roland, one thing I have to do since the storm is get that takeout going. You see, because my neighbors across the street, we had the old ugly brick buildings, you remember that and I said, oh, after the storm, I said, those ugly of bricks gotta go. <laughs> so they picketed, they said, no, they're good, we can keep them, you come live in, them. we want them. <laughs> so they put up what's nice across. But some of those buildings had the finest people, people that went off to be doctors, people that, and then you had the drug addicts, you had this, but even the so-called worst ones were my protection, Nobody ever hit this restaurant. Nobody ever came in here.
8: Mm.
2: When the storm came, we were here 65 years. Nobody ever, ever touched anything in this restaurant. Mm. They were my policemen. They watched out everything for me, and they took care of me. You're saying you take care of people that take care of you? Take care of people that take care of you.
5: You have seen nearly a century. Uh Now you're getting ugly. No, I'm
2: not getting ugly. That's
5: a good thing. (laughs) That's a good thing. That's a good thing, huh? And the thing that, I mean, I'll just say that, that, that's, I don't care what it is, whether you talked about all those amazing entertainers that you fed, the one thing that is constant, whether you're talking about somebody 76 years ago or 70 years ago or today, they will always... Talk about, man, when
2: I had this certain meal. That's, that's what's amazing about food. Food is so, it makes people happy. If you give people good food and put nice things down there for them and nice things, a nice tablecloth, I'm a stickler for a tablecloth, a good napkin. I like that. Cause I want my people and I want my customers to feel good about it. You know, when you were a little boy, you might be out of a jelly glass or something, but when the company comes, your mama said, get out the good stuff. <laughs> company comes. That's right. I say, everybody that hits that front door is my company. Get out the good stuff. And I want them to eat well. And you make them feel good. They relax. They come in to get a good meal. They all- Who do you like to cook for you? I like service more than when you could cook me anything. You can fry me a piece of wood, but just serve it to me nice. Because mm. if you serve people nice, it, they just feel so good to have somebody serving Great them. Great customer service.
5: All it, Bad oh. customer service will put you in a foul mood.
2: Yeah, yes, yeah, bad. You know, and there's no excuse for that. You could serve people. I love to serve people. If I could walk, I would be waiting tables on this floor. <laughs> I would because I love to do it. It's just so easy to do it. To say to a person, if they order a person, say, Well, what I, can I have this? It's my pleasure. It would be my pleasure to do that for you. That's easy, easy. Two final questions. And so, well, the first
5: was a three-parter. So, what is Leah Chase's favorite breakfast item? ha. <laughs> my favorite
2: breakfast item. If you like to eat, not serve, but that you want to eat. Oh, my breakfast item would be, you know, I came up in the country, and you could to not believe this, but quail is I love. Really? Because I came for up. For breakfast? Yes, for breakfast. <laughs> Let me tell you. My mother, we lived in the country, and we had strawberry fields. That was our, what we, strawberries, we picked them, and we sold them. And if the the Bob White quails would be in the tree, and they would come down to the strawberry patch and get, you know, you had your gun, <laughs> you got that. So mother, and in the backyard, I'll never forget, we had these little plum trees. My mother used to make plum jelly.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: She would get up and she would take those little quails. This was Sunday morning when you had time, put them in butter, and you always had good butter because the federal government didn't give you no margarine. It gave you good butter. <laughs> <laughs> so when WPA gave us good butter. So we braised the quail in that good butter, brush them with a little plum jelly, eat it with some grits, good. And I served that to George W. Bush. He said, I never had that before, Leah, but I like it. <laughs> Favorite lunch food? Oh, meatballs and spaghetti. Meatballs and spaghetti? I love meatballs and spaghetti. And, you know... Breaded meatballs are all meat? Meatballs. All meat meatballs, okay. good old meatballs and spaghetti. That's what I truly love. And you know, I had a favorite general, and followed that general. I was a crazy little girl, and I think about it because I followed the WALL on the radio. Mm-hmm. I FOLLOWING George Patton. Mm-hmm. I thought George Patton would just go. Of course, he wouldn't work today. George would have to be more diplomatic today. <laughs> yeah. They would shoot him down. You couldn't do that. But I love George Patton, and I have all, I was able to be friendly with his first aide. Mm. Yeah, Colonel Stillman. And Stillman was a history professor at UNO. I got all George Patton's book, found out George Patton liked meatballs and spaghetti, too. <laughs> <laughs> so so you are the George Patton of cooking? Uh, George Patton of cooking. But my, it's, I gotta change rolling, cause it's not working, you know? I can't go around calling people a stupid jackass no more. <laughs> I, I got to do different things. Even though they might be it stupid jackass, You can't call them. You got to say, now, look, darling, this is not the way this is done. And don't you hate that? Don't yes, you? I do. Right, because <laughs> I'm, I'm more like General Patton.
8: Me? Hey, come on, you, do your work. And guess what?
2: You want a general... Leading the, Lead the war fight. Leading the war fight. But it don't, you got to change. I got to <laughs> change. It doesn't work today with these young people. They no, don't understand. No, I know. Understand. I know. But if you... And you, you, they don't understand criticism. There is such a thing as constructive criticism. Or a critique. Yes. So if you say, Leah, now don't you do this anymore, I'm going to say, okay, well, let me change it. And that's how, that's what made me. People coming in here saying... There say, you go. Uh, you know, no, no, you don't need to do this anymore because it's not good, Leah. So I listened to them and I had so much help I didn't know anything. And it made you better. Made me better. Favorite dinner food? <sighs> my dinner food starts, it's my dinner, have to be long. Gotta always start <laughs> with a cup of gumbo. Next thing, I, I want a salad. Okay. I want a good, good salad. And don't give me that little sweetie dressing. I like a lot of blue cheese, a lot of tough You know, I like heavy stuff. On it. If you give me a good Italian salad, put some anchovies on it. Put I like that heaviness on it. Uh-huh. And then after that, you can give me some chicken stuff and oyster dressing and sweet potatoes. Dessert. That's I'm not too big on dessert. Really? No. Uh, oh, oh, I am. My I, mom bake cakes for a living i business. not so. so big on these things. I'd rather have me a hunk of cheese and crackers <laughs> and another glass of wine.
5: <laughs> so I got to ask you this here. So this is the last one. So you hear this, this old tale that if so, and I, I I can't wait to hear your response, that the greatest compliment to the chef is when somebody
2: belches at the table. That is horrid. Your mother would rip you for that. <laughs> oh my god roland your mother you know your mother would slap you <laughs> down and send you to your room oh you can't do that no no so what is the, the greatest, greatest compliment, compliment the is chef? for you to come tell me it's just like my mama or it's just like my grandmother and i feel good well i would say it's just like my mama or my daddy, yeah. Because I <laughs>
5: luckily I got both of them yeah. who cooked for us growing up.
2: Well, they tell me that I know I hit somewhere good, and they all walks of life, whites coming to black. But if they tell me it's just like my mama, I'm good. Well, I'm every good. time
5: I, like I say, every time I come to New Orleans, I always got to come by and say hello to you well, and thank give you a kiss. So much.
2: Uh, always love coming here and join your food. I'm uh, proud of you. Bro. Well, I, I really. That's the advantage of living to be 94, almost 95 years old. You see people grow. I see people grow. And I'm so proud of them. You know, you feel like, I feel like you could be my child. You've grown up, I feel you did something for me by just growing up and performing and doing what you have to do. It's not about you and your children all the time. Mm -hmm. And you know, Roland, I never felt I had to have beautiful things, no. But if you had them, I'm happy for you. I could go sit in your beautiful chairs, Yours, but I could sit in it, (laughs) I could enjoy it. Yes, you Uh, can. And so that's a wonderful thing to see people grow. And don't let me go in the house and I see like a furniture store, I don't want to see that. I want to see a chair from your grandma's house.
5: Oh, yeah. No, no, I no, no. We, we don't have that. those rooms that are off limits, no. Yeah. We sit on everything.
2: And I want to see something that your grandma had, or something that talks to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned about art. You know, years ago, what we knew, we didn't know anything about art. We thought to go to the grocery, buy a sofa, buy a picture to match the sofa, we learned that Heart doesn't have to match the sofa. Mm-hmm. It just can talk to you, whatever you like. So, and it's warm. Well, I tell you, for me,
5: what for me what gives me fond memories of my grandmother and grandfather from Opelousas is anytime Good cooking. I eat gumbo. I When I go home for Thanksgiving, my brother's executive chef he fixed the turkey and dressing. I tell, I said, no, I'm coming home to eat gumbo. gumbo. The rest of the family, they're eating all that stuff. <laughs> I'm over here, I eat gumbo the whole weekend. That's right. That, that's my thing. I, that's your thing. Trust. But you came
2: from home with good cooking. Those oh, people yes. in Opelousas get cooking. Oh, yes. Oh, they oh yes. And
5: I'm, still, and I'm paying for it, and my trainer's like, okay, let's slow that down a little bit <laughs> uh, so we can take some of the weight off,
2: but then so we can eat more of the gumbo. I'll just eat, drink, and be merry and live enjoy living that's the most important thing people worry about what they have on nobody cares what you have on they don't care they care about you they care about how you feel and what you're going to do to uplift the country you live in or the city you live in that's all they care about and i'm proud of you i'm so proud i appreciate I'm it proud to thanks for your food great seeing you thank you so much
5: Y'all, we are having a good time here at our dinner party, honoring, of course, the great Leah Chase. She died Saturday, age of 96, the queen of Creole cuisine. We've been telling stories, eating food, laughing at her stories as well, talking about uh, Kwame over here just cleaning the hell out of these bones. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about cleaning these bones. Uh, and so right now, we're going to go to the phone lines. Uh, chef Joe Randall, uh, well-known uh, chef. Uh, Joe, how you doing? I'm excellent, rolling out about yourself? Man, glad to have you here. Glad to have you uh, uh, here on Skype. I'm joined in the studio by uh, Chef Rock Harper, Chef Kwame, and Greg Carr, of course, head of the Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University. Well, we're happy
9: to be here with all of you. Rock, I know. Kwame, I haven't met, but
5: I'm very familiar with him, and I wish him continued success. Uh, And we are enjoying some food here. Uh, Rock brought the fried chicken. Uh, Kwame had the jollof rice. I fixed the gumbo and, of course, the uh, the spaghetti. So uh, this is uh, uh, not as a normal television show. Uh, I got all thrown down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so I got to ask you, just uh, just share with us your thoughts and reflections about the great Leah Chase.
9: Well, it's, it's hard. Everybody that's spoken so far, I've been here through the entire show, has had wonderful things to say about Leah because she was a wonderful human being. She was a great chef and a good cook and a dear friend. Uh, It's just one of those things that you cherish her uh, and you want to have told her that you loved her while she was living Mm -hmm. because that's the kind of person she deserved those flowers while she was here. Everybody's got wonderful things to say about her, and it's deservedly so. But for about 30 years everybody that i knew that was going to new orleans i would tell them if they're not going to dookie chase and celia they really shouldn't even bother to go to new orleans <laughs> <'cause they're laughs> out
5: on a treasure uh that is uh that's, that's 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 first of all that's correct and you own that thing absolutely uh did you ever get a chance to cook besides her in the kitchen oh i've had many occasions uh the first
9: time i cook with her in 1990, I was executive chef at Cal Poly Pomona University, and Leah was my first distinguished guest chef. She came out and 8 o'clock in the morning, she did a lecture demonstration for the public and my students. The president um, and the students prepared a luncheon for Leah and the president of the university, and after lunch, She worked in the kitchen with my students to prepare a meal for about 150 guests that night. So we had a wonderful day together that I cherish and remember to this day. If you go to my Facebook page, I've got some wonderful pictures there of her with my students uh, back in October 22nd, 1990. But we made gumbo, you know, seafood Creole gumbo. She had a praline bread pudding, uh, veal grillades, uh, jambalaya. Just a wonderful day, you know. You know she was all about food anyway. And give her a kitchen big enough she can do what she want to do. And all the help she needed, she could go to town.
5: Uh, That is absolutely amazing. Uh, I just, um, you know, one of the things that I talked to her about, which is that, you know, forget that. Uh, Kwame, Rosh, I got a question for Joe. I ain't got to ask all of them. What y'all got?
6: Well, I just, Chef, first of all, um, I love you. Where you at? Right here? Tim. Yeah, look right here.
5: Um Love back, baby.
6: Yeah, and I appreciate mm. you. You know, I guess for a Chef uh, coming, you know, leaving a legacy or trying to make an impact, um, I, I look back and I was reminiscing and, and looking on Instagram and I saw a lot of your photos with you and uh, Patrick Clark and, and, and Leah Chase and just, you know, a bunch of people that came before us. I even saw a young Tim Dean. Shout out to Tim. Um, I just... <laughs> Wonder what would be your charge to us, the, the next generation, or even the generation after, sort of my generation, you know, how to keep the legacy going and make an impact um, like Miss Leah Chase did, and, and like yourself as well.
8: Well,
9: let me first share with you what she shared with me. About 30 years ago, I developed uh, an organization called the United Culinary Association. It was a group of black chefs from all over the country. And we came together to be the Black Caucus within the ACF because we were paying dues with no representation. And so we decided that we were gonna uh, demand some participation and some things done to help us. Leah was very instrumental in that. She hosted a dinner in New Orleans for two days at a restaurant, I mean, Johnny Rivers was there, Clayton Sherrod. Willie Stenson from the CIA, chefs from all over the country. And we tried to come together with an attitude of going forward. And the one thing we came up with was the first thing we had to get professional chefs away from was denying their heritage. You know, we all know what this is. Uh, It's hard work, long hours, and low pay in some instances. But the joy was that uh, when people get a chance to eat what you prepare with your hands, it's rewarding. So what we tried to do is make people understand the contribution that Africans had made, African-Americans have made to food in this country. Prior to 1983, there was no such thing as a, American regional cooking. It was just good food and bad food. Makes, <laughs> good food came from the South, because they weren't afraid to season it. And we were the backbones in the kitchen, the black hand in the pot.
5: Wow. Kwame, you got a question?
3: Uh, I just have a statement. I just wanted to say thank you. You know, um, in in the same regards where I talk about Leah Chase when I think that I have it hard or I'm having a tough day, I think back to chefs like you who I I can't even... um, I can't even put to words or conceptualize exactly The trials and tribulations that you went through Um, and you kept going, you know, not for glory, not for anything other than you love the craft. Um, And that's incredibly inspiring. And that's what keeps me going. So I just want to say thank you.
9: Leah, Leah Chase told me many years ago, she said, you take what you got and make that work for you.
8: (laughs) <laughs>
9: Surely everything's not going to be perfect at no time.
8: Mm-hmm.
9: But you are where you are. You pull yourself together. You know what you got. You work with it. You apply the best of yourself, and it'll turn out all right.
5: Chef Joe Randall, we, ap- we appreciate you uh, joining us for this uh, dinner party tribute to uh, Leah Chase. Uh, thanks it's a bunch. My pleasure in being here. But God bless you. Continue Please to go. Me, Alright, thanks a bunch, sir. You know what? It's so interesting. We talked about you you made the best of what you got. So I literally I was telling her the story. Uh, people always ask me, talking about, me. you talk about this Texas spaghetti. Here's actually how how that happened. I, I was in college and hell, I mean, look, I ain't had much money and living in an apartment and I was hungry and so I go in the kitchen and I'm like, damn, I had spaghetti, no tomato sauce, no hamburger meat, and barbecue sauce. I was like, I'm putting barbecue sauce with the spaghetti. That's gonna be the meal. And <laughs> so, th- and then, and so, I, so, when I, when I graduated, I said I'll make me spaghetti. And so, uh, then I could afford some hamburger meat. So, uh, so then I had to put that combination together. And then, because uh, we all, look, we ate spaghetti growing up, so it wasn't like I was afraid of tomato sauce. Uh, and so, uh, but it was just a different thing. And so, so I'm cooking, I'm cooking, I'm like, man, I like this, like better. So I, I use tomato sauce, but I don't, but it's not predominant, it's not a marinara sauce. So then one day I was in the store one day and I said, damn, I want something different. I went, I'm going to put some Italian sausage in there. Don't ask me, honey, I just, I was like, I'm just going to put it in there. Put it in, I'm like, damn, I like this here. So then I, so versus, the, not just the Tony Chassere Creole seasoning, uh, I'll use oregano, basil, and thyme. So I want, I want and parsley, so I wanted that flavor. And I use Kraft Honey barbecue sauce. Mm. Kraft Honey barbecue sauce. And so my brother, of course, executive chef, run our family catering business, you know, all. You know, all, he start talking trash. And I'm like, really? I'm like, give a damn? I was like, my house? I buy it? Eat the hell I want to eat. So we had a family get together. So we go to his house and so we all drive by. And so he's in there cooking and I walk in the kitchen. And I go, oh. I lean over, and I'm like, what the hell is a barbecue sauce on the counter for? (laughs) Chef. And you make your spaghetti. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Dog and me. Listen, I
6: ain't mad at him. Dog and me. I ain't mad at him. He was dogging
5: me, (laughs) but privately... Using the barbecue sauce, you came too early. You came too making, early. making his meat—boom! sauce. That's what it was. I came too early, making his meat sauce. It was like, ah, uh, yeah. Uh. So and so now my niece, so my family is so like my niece who's in there, uh, Atlantis. She been bugging me literally for a year uh, to make it. I'm always so busy, whatever. And we had a family get together. Y'all go to YouTube. I literally live stream the whole process of us making. Uh, this Texas spaghetti and we had this huge roast, this huge roaster. So the whole lot so y'all see the whole deal. The chopping, everything, the whole from beginning to washing stuff down. And I got nine nieces for it so everybody was in there working. <laughs> I was like, I was like I was like Leah Chase the General Patton. Watch this, grab this, go on here with the stir that, do mm-hmm. this here, and, and while the live stream is going on. Uh but that was no point. I mean, that to me that's that's the beauty of of cooking Kwame. Mm-hmm. Look. Sometimes you ain't got everything so it's like well, Look at him. Gotta make it work. You gotta make it. <laughs> and work. And then when sometimes it works,
3: it works sometimes Right, it doesn't. and then you go
5: well, that worked. Okay. All right. I'm gonna do that again next time Right, Rock. Right. Right? is that is that is there any, any example where you had to do that where you had to make
6: it work? Oh, man I mean growing up. Yeah, we we were <laughs> we were po as they say we couldn't afford the O and the R Yeah, uh, so we always had to make it work um uh, you know, especially when you talk about the spaghetti and, and Miss Leah Chase was talking about the, um... The
3: wieners. The, wieners the Creole and the, and the,
6: Creole wieners. <laughs> <spaghetti. laughs> that sounds like noodles to me. I was just asking my yeah, sister. Yeah, um, Shout out <laughs> to my sister, Juania. She, I was asking her the other day about uh, our, great, our great food memories. And she was talking about hot dogs or something. And it's just like, you know, something that we grew up in. Great food in our house. Oh, yeah. But the, what we did to oodles of noodles <laughs> and how they... the struggle meals how we hooked <laughs> them up, you people. know, and may slice them up with a little scrambled eggs or, or some boiled eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you you, you, do, you do what you do, especially in the city. It's not like, you know, with the Edna Lewis, like you eat what you grow, right? Mm-hmm. In the city, mm-hmm. you you know, you eat what's in the cabinet. Yeah. And if you got some noodles and a, a two eggs and some baking soda, <laughs> make, you make some puffed up or baking powder. You make some puffed up scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> you play a mind trick on yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> make you think you got more than two eggs and
1: oh, you roll with it. That's- Greg, you cook? No, brother, I eat, (laughs) but but at Tennessee State, I was well familiar with ramen noodles and Jiffy cornbread, brother. That's That's what what we ate, that's my struggle meal. But you know, I wonder if that's why Nat Cole, who they say always liked his egg from her, from Montgomery, Alabama, I wonder if if that was part of what Nat Cole had to eat growing up. And she talks about growing up whole, like Mm -hmm. you said. They were on WPA Relief Fund as as a child. Her father was, I think, a ship caulker Mm -hmm. and a farmer. Her mother did seamstress work. And they ate whatever they could get, although she did grow up part of the time on the farm. But to the point that y'all are raising, I mean, the improvisational nature of black food. Listen. I mean, that's unbelievable. And Kwame, man, when I'm hitting that Jollof rice, and I love Jollof rice, brother, but you got West Africa and you say the Caribbean, you got some Trinidad and Tobago in there, too. I'm coming to your restaurant <laughs> again. because, I mean, because what happens when you just go in the cabinet and say, I'm going to make alchemy? It's almost like jazz. Yeah. We,
3: well, if you we, we think just... about it, you know, and this is a, a focal point of why I brought Jollof rice, you know, because mm-hmm. you asked me to bring jambalaya. And people don't know that, you know, jollof rice is the grandfather of jambalaya in West bro. Africa. Go here. You know, and then you had, you know, the Spanish in New Orleans, and they brought their fishermen's, you know, and that's how you got the crustaceans. The Germans came and threw in their andouille sausage, and now we have our jambalaya. But if you peel off the layers, it came from West Africa, and that's really the backbone of Southern cuisine, West Africa. You know, we have uh, kunombo, which is gumbo, you know, okra stew out there that you peel back the layers and. You have something that represents American cuisine, so there's no such, I don't think there's any such thing as fusion, you know, because mm. like it's been fused a <laughs> long time ago out of necessity, out of human trafficking, you know, out of so many different circumstances that now it's just like if you think about the cultural history of a dish, it's easy to find what goes with that dish
5: that's that's why you know michael twitty's book uh, is, is so phenomenal mm-hmm. i had an interview with him and so if you missed that just go to my youtube channel and uh, just type in roland martin and michael twitty t-w-i-t-t-y is a phenomenal conversation uh and it cra- his thing is you talk, talk about food because next up is carla hall so carla uh was traveling today and so i interviewed carla on yesterday and the crazy thing it was supposed to be a 10-minute conversation it went 50 minutes and when i was talking to her when i had nikki giovanni on she had a new book out and we literally talked about her poetry book for about five minutes, and for the rest of the 50, for the rest of the fifty minute conversation, we talked about food. <laughs> yeah, we, she talked about all these different dishes. She talked about that was I forgot what she said. Uh, Maya Angelou. She said, Yeah, she really thought she could make that, but she really, she really. Did do well. <laughs> but she was talking about all. I mean, it was like all these foods back and forth, and it was just a cra- it was an unbelievable conversation. We we barely talked about poetry, and, and as, so the thing that Carl and I talked about, y'all about to see this, is that that is the thing, that food is 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 the link, it's the common denominator, it brings people around the table with different backgrounds, and and then, and you're able to talk, you can do whatever, and, and I just think about like every time you ever get together at a house, okay, I, look, I had a party at my house, it was ten thousand square foot house, three levels, guess where everybody was, around the kitchen in the kitchen now thank goodness it was a good-sized kitchen but it was like i was like hey y'all that's a whole like the, the bottom floor <laughs> it was uh it was like bar down there wide space no did nobody want to it's the kitchen yeah i mean it is that central location that's why, so for my family that's why you know every house i've had the kitchen flows right into the living room because that's just where we are. Yeah. So ain't no sense in having a court and off kitchen. Look, just you know, kitchen, living room, boom, everybody right there uh, all together. All right, y'all, uh, Carla Hall, Chef Carla Hall, you know, of course, uh, from The Chew, uh, of course, uh, all of the w- great work that she does. Uh, she, of course, uh, wanted to be here, uh, but we had an opportunity to talk with her yesterday to get her thoughts about Leah Chase, and here's that discussion. <laughs>
11: What's going on? What's up, Roland S. Martin? Uh,
5: well, first of all, glad, first of all, we're actually in the same place in D.C., uh, which is which is quite rare. We were sitting, yeah. there trying to figure out. Yeah, we saw each other recently. I have no idea where. I'm no. just trying to think. It, it was... The reason
11: we can't figure it out is because we're always traveling and we're always in another space doing events. Right. So, so
5: it's like I, I don't know if it was L.A., if it was New York. Yeah. If it was, I have, I have absolutely no idea. Me either. But it's all good. It's all good. Well, well I have you here because, of course, uh, over the weekend, we lost the great uh, Leah Chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she was I mean, absolutely great woman. And we were talking, so you had the opportunity to actually uh, uh, be with her in her kitchen.
11: Yes, yes. I was with her in February, cooking with her. There was uh, an an event or a conference called Radical Exchange and Ashton, and I can't remember Ashton's last name, and she and her partner were doing this event with all of these um, culinary folks and uh, Michael Twitty was there, Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of uh, people in the beverage industry, Mm -hmm. and we had a dinner at Dookie Chase, and I actually got to cook with her in her kitchen, which a lot of people don't do. Right. And Miss Chase... But she's real
5: particular. She's her, really particular. She particular about her kitchen.
11: And she was in the kitchen. She was in there, and granted, she was sitting down, and she was talking about my hair. She was like, girl, what's up with your hair? And I'm being so big and frizzy. She said, you need to creolize that hair. Creolize. I was like, what is that? What do you creolize mean? Creolize that creolize, hair. Creolize. As in straighten. <laughs> <laughs> as in straighten my hair. She went on for at least 30 minutes about it.
5: And she also, you say we were you showed me a photo. She was cracking on Ashton as well. Yes, a- had Ashton. She like has nose, a nose ring. nose
11: ring. She was like, girl, we have moved past that. <laughs> You know as a people so uh, she she honestly just was so funny and so alive and the respect and the love that's in that kitchen uh, in the restaurant with all of the art I you know when we when we lost her over the weekend I uh, even more so than I did at the moment felt like wow I I got to touch and to feel and to be around her greatness and and more than anything and she was 96 years old and yep. she lived just a beautiful life more than anything you know what i realized and what i what i appreciated was that we celebrated her while she was here yep
5: yep yep. Absolutely. there's
11: so many times when we lose somebody and we're like oh you know in retrospect yep let's celebrate them Yep.
5: well what was interesting so in in, in this line of work um for me the opportunity to be able to to sit down with interview talk to somebody profile mm-hmm. them and and i am very particular about uh our our legends uh, because and and the, just to be able to have a conversation with them and and especially for me our folks who first of all, i interview lots of people but especially our people who are 70 and over here's yes. so here's why when i was at savoy magazine i was a news editor. Um, they wanted to do uh, a piece on um, uh, the artist Biggers Mm -hmm. out of uh, Houston. And it was supposed to be, I I forgot the year, but it was like for the November issue. Then they pushed it. I had talked to his wife. Uh, I had talked to him on the phone. Then they pushed it three months, and he passed away. I think he was 77 when he passed. Mm -hmm. And I vowed then, I said... I said that will never happen again. Yes. And so I'm so I'm very I'm very sort of like anal about uh, the, these amazing African Americans who are doing stuff and, and and getting their story on tape.
11: Yeah, and just intentional because right. you know it's all well and good after the fact, but I feel like after the fact there are with everybody else it's a box to tick off. You know, let's let's focus on them. Oh, they were so great! If they were so great, why weren't you focusing on right, them right. when they were here with us? And and I was there with um, I was actually hosting the James Beard Awards in 2016 when Leah Chase uh, won the Lifetime Achievement Award, or they she was being recognized. And, uh,
5: and that was 2016, so that's mm-hmm. three years ago. She was 93. Yes, and and, and that's but that, but that goes to the point that you're making though. That first of all ain't that many folks living to the, you know, to to their 90s. And it's it's one of those things that, no, for somebody like that, you recognize folks in their 50s or 60s or 70s versus, you know, going in terms of that long. And that's just one of the things that I think is so important when we think about artists, when we think about, I mean, whether it's, you know, legendary chefs, we think about all these people, to your point, Give them their praise now versus posthumously and allow them to bask in that.
11: Yes, right? And to pass the torch. And and that was another thing about um, Miss Leah. She was always reaching back and bringing somebody up. Do you know what I mean? So I brought um, the book that she gave me, Mm -hmm. and and she says to Chef Carla Hall, one great chef, enjoy life. Grateful to you, Leah Chase, 2 for 2019 Now, first of
5: all, here's what, I, what, what was great. First, she put the date. Yes. I can't tell you how, it drives me absolutely crazy when book authors, there's a sign, I go, put the date. Matter of fact, I, I jack up my wife all the time. I'm like, put the date. Yeah. Because when people sign my books, I tell them put the date. Yeah, you know, and and, and some people may see okay, there's really no big deal, but it's like no, it's 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 mm-hmm. it's a point. It's a point in life. Yeah. Uh, as well. And we and the point about enjoy life was interesting. Is that I mean that was her. She look, She was in that kitchen in a walker, in a chair. Yes, you know when I interviewed her two years ago, you know she came out. You know she was taking her time, but when we sat down and we started talking, I mean her whole deal was about. And in fact, her last. Her last words were, look, just enjoy life. Just eat, have fun, enjoy life.
11: Yeah, yeah. And that's why, for me... I know her family misses her and it seems sad, but for me, it feels like that New Orleans Southern sending off because she was so joyful. And every time you saw her, she had this big smile on her mm-hmm. face. And, and it's about a celebration of her life. And of course, that's easy for me to say because I'm on this side of things, but just her energy level when I saw her in February was making jokes and laughing and tasting food and then i i was feeding her i was doing a sorghum salad and she was eating that and she would taste it she'd look at me she's chewing it she said i like it <laughs> i mean you know that but she was process she wasn't just um, somebody to just say, "Okay, I'm going to do this." She would think about it. She would absorb it. She would then give her opinion about it. You know? Well, see, that's why
5: I think um, one of the things we talked about was, and I, I said to her, "I said, some people they eat to live, but but they're all afraid. People in Louisiana live to eat." Yeah. And 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 the thing about the thing about, especially black folks in food, mm-hmm. I was at. Uh, I was recently at a party um, at the billionaire Robert Smith's house in Malibu, and all these people, that, different places, and so like all these black folks were congregated in the kitchen, and so we're staying. So it's Tyrese, Chauncey Billups, Al Harrington, a bunch of the people, and I said, "You said so y'all notice we are in the kitchen, and, and it's, it's one for us." it's one of those things that when it comes to food when it comes to you can have a party and i don't care how big your house is Folks are going to hang out where the food is.
11: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Even in her restaurant. So Miss Chase, Miss Leah was right there, and there was something going on. They were doing a repass in the kitchen. There are about 50 people. We're prepping now for a dinner <laughs> that right, right. night. 50 people coming through, taking a picture. You know, because that's what it was. Even at her restaurant, people were coming through the kitchen. Right. You know, her desk was right there in the entrance, you know, between the dining room and the kitchen. And and, and they were like, they were like, this is what she does.
5: And so, it wasn't off limits.
11: Right, and that's right. the piece. That's the piece. Right. The,
5: the, uh, one of the other things that obviously when you think about this history, first of all, that location, mm-hmm. you think about the people who came through. The, that's the other thing you talk about her life, the, the people who she literally fed. I mean, she... She fed a who's who of America, Mm -hmm. but absolutely black America. Mm -hmm.
11: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, all of these people coming through the civil rights uh, meetings that were happening there, you know, Martin Luther King, you know, of course, uh, President Obama. But when she said, you know what, my place is going to be integrated, better to ask for forgiveness than permission. I don't care that it's against the law. This is what we're doing here, you know, so... um, Hats off to her for that. Talk about
5: the respect that other black chefs have. Because the reality is, uh, when you think about uh when you, when you look at all of these, in fact, we were at, when, at the Boulé convention last year, you did this session um, with these, with, and you talk about food and they were fusing in. Or from African other countries, mm-hmm. that that you sort of have. Let's just be. Yeah, this sort of this white standard, right? Okay, right. in terms of you know who gets you know who's the five star chef or the four star, whatever the heck it is, and and who's the award winning chef, as opposed to for us, black people, we've known people who can cook yeah who can throw down
11: that's right
5: who right. don't have any awards hanging on their wall mm-hmm. and don't also abide by whatever somebody else's licensing standards yes. and yes. you're like oh no no i'll put my grandmama up against any of any of y'all french <laughs> chefs or whatever yes. when it comes to who throw down yeah and that to me also uh, speaks to who she was yes she was a, yes she got these awards and accolades but she was a down home black woman cooking.
11: yeah, yeah and 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 she didn't even set out to study that. she she started working and she loved food. And so when she was married to Dukey, Chase, I mean, she was like, we're gonna I'm coming into this restaurant." And we're going to change the food that we serve here. And it was some down-home food. Even when you look in um, in the book, here is boiled spare ribs with sweet potatoes. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, boil them, don't let them fall apart, put them on a plate. You know, season it. And I think there is something about the, um, just that she unapologetically served this food that she loved and from her heritage and it wasn't about oh is it good enough to serve to white people is it good enough to serve to whomever we're going to come together around the table and i'm going to serve you what's in my heart
5: what she also said in the interview was which was very interesting she said that all these new orleans restaurants they were serving french food they were not serving gumbo and jambalaya uh and crawfish etouffee yes. so really what dookie chase dookie chase changed so people people talk about oh the food in new orleans today dookie chase black people yeah changed the entire palette yeah. of new orleans right 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 that, that was what was crazy when because when, when i played the interview back and i was like whoa did she just i said what did she just say right
11: right when you think about it right so you're telling me something. She, she, was, she was the one. And so when you talk about other chefs who look up to her, I mean, Marcus Samuelson, and not just black chefs, you know, white chefs as well look up to her. John Besh, who was in New Orleans, and all of these people who were in New Orleans looking up to her and beyond mm-hmm. because she was doing things that other people weren't doing. She was um, elevating our food in a restaurant, a white tablecloth restaurant, you know, and showing our food. And when you look at other places around the country, even when we have, uh, let's take hot chicken because I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and not that it's at, it well, I guess it is at some white tablecloth restaurants, but you have Princess being um, the, the person who started that, the restaurant that started that, but it has gone on the other side of the tracks in Nashville where some people don't even realize it was started Mm-hmm. You know, by mm-hmm. princes, you know, all of a sudden somebody takes it and, you know, it becomes well, like like most of our history. True. Right. But I really think we give it away. A lot of times we give it away. We we demonize our own food. Mm-hmm. I think we mm-hmm. don't own it. We don't. I don't think um, a lot of us know that we should be proud of our contributions. Right. And that we started this, you know right. what I mean? Because if we're cooking for people, this is how you carry culture. What Chase, I mean, what Leah Chase was doing was carrying the culture and spreading it right. throughout New Orleans. A bit.
6: Right. Some...
11: Is that it?
5: All right, folks, that was the uh, Carla Hall interview. Joining us right now on the phone line, folks. Uh, we were supposed to end at eight o'clock, but there's no way I, I could not. Get this man's thoughts and perspective on Leah Chase, uh, my alpha brother, former ambassador to the United Nations, former mayor of Atlanta, lieutenant to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a man who is accomplished in his own right, an amazing brother, Ambassador Andrew Young. Doc, how you doing?
10: I'm all right, but you you should start out. I grew up about 6 blocks from Dookie Chase.
5: I know that. I was I, that was going that was the first question. That's why I said we got to hear from Andrew Young about Leah Chase.
10: Yeah. No, it it it's uh she's a wonderful spirit that will always be with us. They'll always be talking about Sister Leah. And um I um uh, I heard her uh, We honored her at the United Negro College Fund then a couple of years ago. And when she received the honor, she gave one of the most significant civil rights speeches I have ever heard. Mm. So she talked about the blessings that we've received and how we need to pass them on to future generations. And she, she got everybody that she spoke from w- what I've been meaning this way. I mean, I've been fighting for this in Atlanta and losing. So I I would like to see the, the, the...
5: Yeah,
10: one two three four five. No, six, go ahead. We
5: got you. We got you. Go ahead.
10: But <laughs> um, she talked about how beautiful everybody was And she said, but now y'all need to wear those same dresses next year. And for two reasons. One, you don't need to, you look good now. You don't need to look different next year. (laughs) In fact, you need to be able to get your big butts in that dress next year. (laughs) (laughs) And so she was somebody who majored in food she was very conscious that you eat and you eat well and you can look good. Hmm. And um, Hmm. I don't know how it happens, but uh, Hmm. she never, you know, according to to some people, (laughs) us people from New Orleans are supposed to die young. The way we we eat. Right. (laughs) And what we eat. I mean, everything I eat is not on the doctor's list. But, mm-hmm. um, mm. and I, I haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. But um, she was very conscious. And then, you know, her grandson uh, is here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, Victor Heidel. Mm-hmm. And he and Hank Aaron. Have a series of restaurants together, mm-hmm. uh, and the thing that 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 he got from her was a business ethic.
8: Mm.
10: I mean, he runs 25 or so, uh, you know, franchises, uh, and he keeps the business going. And he, I mean, he's he's about business. And he's also, you know, they say by their fruits you shall know them. Uh, he also uh, supports an orphanage uh, in Haiti. Uh, and he goes down there once a year. And he's on the board with another young lady from New Orleans, Panchita Pierce, mm-hmm. on her foundation in New York, where they're helping uh you know people who were in a Catholic mission uh I forget what it's called but uh the uh and then here in Atlanta I he's a civic leader and he's not running for anything but he's into everything and he supports everything and um, that came from Leah Chase
5: um MS- that's then- and, Master Young, what was amazing was the, the, the meetings held there, the, the civil right, right workers she fed, the people who would come there, she said, I'll give them some gumbo and some fried chicken, and they would go out there, whether they were freedom riders, SNCC workers, SCLC workers. Uh, you can't have a movement unless folks are able to eat.
10: Well, yeah, but just like Pascal in mm-hmm. Atlanta, Yep. the meeting and the planning was done at Dookie Chase in New Orleans. In fact, SCLC was founded in New Orleans in 1957. Mm. Wow. Now, I was not in that meeting. I was still living in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm sure they could not have gotten a founding without Martin Luther King going by Dookie Chase. Because-
5: <laughs> well, it— she fed a who's who of America, and certainly a who's who of Black America. Um, you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's probably saying, rolling uh, why in the world would you sit here and uh, going? You you now go, going past two hours celebrating uh, a chef?" Uh, but uh, I certainly believe, Ambassador Young, that uh, we've got to give. Uh, All folks, you know, they do.
10: She was. She was not. She owned she was a businesswoman who led the town from her business. Mm.
5: Wow.
10: And, um, you know, but there's nothing demeaning about being a chef. At all. Because, because, I mean, I always think of restaurants as like communion. And I said that in church one time and a lady, a lady, you know, kind of, took me down about it but i said you know that that jesus said <laughs> when you break bread and drink wine uh, i'll be with you uh and i said that is not only true in church i said whenever what the, the scripture is saying that whenever we're sharing love and food uh there is the presence of God in the midst of where two or three of us are gathered together. There is the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God uh, is in our midst, and that's the message that Leah Chase uh, passed on. Uh, I can't think of his first name now, Rudy Lombard. Yeah uh rudy wrote a book on new orleans
5: ships well tanya lombard uh, of course her niece was supposed to be with us uh the family is still grieving and so matter of fact i'm texting her letting her know how well the show is going uh and uh you know we've certainly uh lost a great one she lived 96 years she she packed a whole lot in those 96 years uh and uh, i i just wanted to definitely be able to to hear from you uh you just turned 87 years young in march and uh, you, st- right. you still handling your business. I heard you were down at uh, Operation Hopes, Global Hope Forum, uh, teaching as always. And it's always great, the chance to talk with you. Uh, we appreciate you, we love you, and we thank all that you've done for us. And uh, thanks for joining us at Roller Martin Unfiltered. And I appreciate you always return my phone calls uh, when I call. All right,
10: God bless you.
5: All right, my brother, thank and you thanks, so
10: much. And thanks for, for, for telling the world that, that the spirit of Leah Chase has gone home, but is still with us in all of those who have broken bread in her presence.
5: Absolutely. Mm. Andrew Young, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. It's always something, Kwame, talking to cats like that.
3: Yeah. Always. So much depth, you know? And any topic they want to talk about, they have so much uh, to pull from,
1: you know?
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's where I
1: got to support Roland Martin. Did you hear what Jesse Jackson mentioned uh, Johnson earlier, Reverend Johnson? Jackson rather, not the, the Joseph Jackson. Those young cats had to break with the Baptist Convention. Yeah. CLC was the young ministers. I'm saying I have to say this. When you young people go back and listen to this broadcast, this conversation, get your notebook out. There's a whole curriculum that's going to have to accompany this two hours and a half.
5: Um, Ashton, uh, young lady, uh, Carla Hall talked about her. Ashton put on this event in February at Dookie e Chases, uh, and Carla uh, uh, said definitely give her a call. I wanted to uh, research. She's going to be our last guest before we go here. Ashton, um, Ashton how you doing? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. It's great to uh, talk to you, wonder just to get, you, get your thoughts. Uh, you organized this event, Dookie Chase, took place about three months ago. Just your thoughts yeah. about just the fabulous Leah Chase?
7: Um, I'm sorry, I can't say that again, kind of broke Just her. your
5: thoughts about the fabulous Leah Chase.
7: Oh, well, so I, the dinner that I did at Dookie Chase was a part of a larger symposium and conference that focused on black people's contribution to hospitality. And I thought that I was just going to go into Dookie Chase, talk to Miss Leah Chase, get her to say, yes, she was going to work with Carla Hall, and then that would be it. And that's not what happened. What happened was I spent two and a half months going into Dookie Chase, asking for her blessing, getting to know her, before she finally was like, yeah, okay, I'll do this dinner. And... I can say um, she changed me. I mean, Mm. there was days as a black woman who's in the hospitality industry and owns her own business. Mm. um, There were days where I was really having a hard time. And I remember one of the things she said to me was, um, look at me. And I looked her in the eye and I was kind of tearing up. And she said, this ain't made for the faint of heart. She said, I never took you. To be someone who would back down from a challenge. And I said, I'm not. And she said, OK, well, wipe your tears because we got work to do and we got a dinner to put on. And, you know, she gave you that grandmother, hard, tough love, but still was so warm. And she taught me a lot about running a business. I mean, she, you know, there was somebody on Instagram that Secretary Wilson, that said, when one of your ancestors passes, it's like a library burndown.
8: Mm-hmm. Mm. And I,
7: I feel like people didn't even know the breadth of knowledge that woman had. I feel as if there is a whole group of generations that I am mourning for them, that they will never have access to the la- layers of knowledge that woman had. I was with her for six months and I not only formed a bond with her, I formed a bond with her her daughter, Mistella, um, to the point that I kept going in, even though the event was over because they, every time I went in there, I felt healed. I felt as if I was closer to Mm. truth. Um, I felt as if I was being held accountable for how I moved through space. Mm. And there's not a lot of people who look at you and see you. I'm not talking about look at you and see what you do, but I'm talking about see you. And, um, she saw me in a way that like I I can't put into words and it wasn't just me, but she was also like she was also a hellraiser. That's why I loved her, right? Oh no, Carla Carla told me like Carla told I mean, me she, like she was Carla said it but like
5: Carla said that she was cracking on your nose ring.
7: Oh my goodness! So I could not go in there without getting like cracked on. If, if it wasn't, if it was if, if it wasn't the nose ring, it was the hair. It was like, I know you ain't coming up in my spot looking with your hair like that. And like, wow. I wear it natural, Miss Chase. She's like, I don't care oh. what it is. You lay it down, flick it down, get it together. Like she. Wow all the time was like and you know i'm i'm real kind of like funky i'm you know and she just always had the jokes for me always had the jokes for me um and i i loved it though because that's that's how my family i feel like that's how black families operate right and yeah. i knew that she cared for me when she didn't treat me differently than she treated her family members yeah. Mm. When she was as hard on me as she was on her family members, where her expectations of me were as high as they were for her family members. It made it clear to me that she wasn't holding me to that standard because she wanted to make it hard. She was holding me to that standard because that was the way that she was showing that she had love and care for me. Mm. Not a lot of people love you like that anymore. Not a lot of people love you with accountability so that you can get to the next level, and I will always be grateful for that. I will always be grateful that a girl that she didn't know from anybody else coming off the street and asking her to do this dinner with Carla Hall, that she said yes. And that she told me, she, when she said yes, she said, I'm doing this because I believe in you.
5: Hmm.
7: So don't you disappoint me.
5: Mm. Mm. Ashton, we appreciate it. Thank you so Thank very you. much. Thank an, you so much. An amazing Thank you privilege. for honoring her. I appreciate it, thanks a lot. That was a sermon right there, y'all. That's, that was a word. It was.
7: Why
5: yeah.
1: say something,
3: you bro? Well, I had some of my staff members, they went down to that dinner because it was, you know, oh, celebrating yeah. female hospitality um, and hospitality, people in the hospitality industry of color. And they told me about how amazing that dinner was. And um, I wanted to tell her that, but oh, your dinner was great.
5: We got a number. We'll, yeah. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get a number. they have, <laughs> have, have you call it. Yeah. Uh, Rock, final words
6: um well first roland i I don't know you know you you do a lot i mean that's that's an understatement and um you know i I applaud you for for everything that you do for our community and our voice uh but this as a chef this really rings special and true for me so i just want to thank you personally and for for all the other i know there's so many you know chefs you could have up here um but the 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 fact that you're honoring her um i know it's really important to you but it's extremely important not just she, she was more than a chef and a, just what ashton sort of alluded to or really really stated emphatically there's so much knowledge and story behind um, the food like it's not about the chicken it's what behind the chicken That's right so i just i want to thank you and tell you i really appreciate that um and and the, and the last thing i'll say is that miss chase reminded me of my grandmother she reminds me of my mother of my aunts
8: mm.
6: and i know Because people were traveling, it was an all-male panel up here in the studio, but we got to celebrate and we got to remember that black women put us here. I don't give a, I don't care what type of food we cook. Women started all of this and the the black woman in this country, right, like Leah Chase, gave us, is not just the food. And we have to remember that, especially as a chef, but as people moving forward, I think it's extremely important for us to honor that legacy and to, to carry on. So uh, so thank you for doing that today. I really appreciate it. Greg Car Absolutely.
1: I want to add my thanks, Roland. I mean, you know, Ashton and Carla and then Rock and Kwame, the next generation has taken the baton, her own grandson and the next generation. You cats burn it up in here today, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, whew, still echoing. And I, could, I couldn't leave here and not, you know, I can't go back home to Nashville if I don't mention the fact that my, I'm an eater, but my first great chef was Catherine Carr, my mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're hot water, cornbread, chitlins, which mm-hmm. I, you know, still partake of every once in a while. But the last <laughs> thing I say is this the last time I was in New Orleans, the last thing I did before I got on the plane was stop by Dooky Chase. Um, one thing I'll agree with Ralph Ellison on is this, my strength comes Oh, uh,
5: Your my... mic fell off. Hold on. Let's, oh, let's get your mic.
1: Yeah. Your see. mic fell off. You did, did it? Yeah. All right, let me uh, let right. me pull it there. Yeah, we, we wanna, we wanna I get... got you. Keep going. Oh, you got me? Yeah, we want to get you. Oh, yeah. Did it fall off? Yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. There you, we go. All right, we so got I'll it. I'll say it right quick. Go ahead. Like I said, shout out my mother, Catherine Carter, the first great cook that I ate from. So another black woman, as you said. Yeah, go ahead and clip it on. Clip it so on. Leah Chase, of course, coming out of a tradition where her own mother, raising her with her father, and then getting that cooking gene and getting that cooking gene into the space where she then comes into that restaurant where her mother-in-law was, and they battled. I mean, part of the reason there are red walls in Dookie Chase is because she said, I got to get rid of this pink and blue. My, 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 my mother-in-law loves this pink and blue. But at any rate, the uh, last thing I did before I left uh, New Orleans, last time I was in New Orleans, was stop by Dookie Chase and get a bowl of what I always eat in New Orleans and there's no place to better eat it than Duke Chase and like, like Ralph Ellison said, my strength comes from Louis Armstrong, that's one thing I agree with him. Every day of his life, they said Armstrong did two things, I won't mention the other one, but the thing that he <laughs> ate <laughs> was red beans and rice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had me a bowl of red beans and rice and got on the plane coming back here, but I'm going tell you right now, Leah Chase will always be alive because yes. when you, as long as you cats are burning in the kitchen, and that's always gonna be the case, we will have a place to come together to plot our liberation, so I feel like the
5: future's in good hands. Appreciate you roll so folks uh, my final thoughts. Um, So this is how this whole thing I started literally Um, Monday um, I was sitting in the office. I was thinking about um, How we're gonna pay tribute Uh, in fact what happened was the interview that we had with her we were going to run it on Monday Something happened with our hard drive so I said well, we'll just run it tomorrow so that I'm sitting in the office and then I said, why well, don't we do something different? Oh, why don't we call this person? So it literally started with, hey, who's here? What chefs could we call? So of course, I always talk to Rock. We've always done stuff. i like, well, call Rock. So then I said, up, Carla Hall. I got a number, call Carla. And we had Michael Twitty on the show. I said, well, call Michael Twitty. And then I went, well, Tanya Lombard, uh, her niece, I know Tanya. Then I went, I looked out, out of the window, and saw so this table is actually behind this counter. Normally, this is not our set. And I said, how high is that table? And I said, what if we do a dinner party? And I thought about the last interview where she talked about feeding folks spaghetti and meatballs, uh, fried chicken and gumbo and jambalaya. And that, that's actually how the request came together. Because that, that conversation. So then I was, and, and all of a sudden, it was kind of like, well, this piece and this piece. And the next thing I know, I was kind of like, well, okay, well, who can bring what? And Rock said, you know, I'll bring the fried chicken. And then when Jackie said, well, Kwame's going to bring the jollof rice. And I said, well, uh, I said, dang, I don't have much time. But luckily, my dad was here in December. My parents, well, he left me three, four bags of roux in my freezer. Wow. And so I was like, cool. I can just put the bag, put them in the pot. I just sh- sh- shrimp, sausage, and chicken. Boom, we, we can move on. And I thought about the spaghetti and meatballs, and I was hoping another chef would make that. Then I'm like, well, what the hell? My niece has been bugging me about making Texas spaghetti. That's how this whole thing came together. And so I was in store last night, and so we, the tablecloth and the gla- glass, and people give me all this alcohol, y'all don't even drink, so I just say, just bring all this wine in. So they going to take this stuff home because I don't drink this stuff. And so we began to put this thing together. And to begin, so then I said, well, let's push it from Tuesday. Uh, Tanya couldn't do Tuesday. She said, I could do Wednesday. Uh, but again, uh, she had to cancel, and I, I appreciate her just even, even considering it, and I appreciate the whole Leah Chase family. But you heard me tell Carla Hall this. You heard me say it earlier, that John Bigger story. Not being able to interview John Bickers and waiting because the magazine pushed it has forever changed me. Because anytime I come across one of my ancestors, I, I, we got to have that story. Every time I see one of our one of our greats, I I always I want to get them on tape. I want to get I don't care what the camera I don't care what it is because I'm so conscientious of of, of their voice and and being able to hear, you heard Ashton saying, losing one of our elders means losing a library. That's why for me, Harry Belafonte, um, uh, Hank Aaron, I mean, I, I can go down the line. This is also why black media matters. Because the reality is, no mainstream cable network would have even remotely thought of this. If anybody who's a black host of any one of these shows went to their bosses and said, I want to do a two hour special, on Chef Leah Chase, they would get laughed out of the office. The reason it's important is because we shouldn't give this level of attention to the likes of just and Aretha Franklin. Think about when Maya Angelou died, we did the special on her. When Ruby D died, we did the special on her. Whether it was Muhammad Ali, we had that particular special. Every time one of our greats, we always did a tribute because I believed we need to be able to tell the story with Nelson Mandela we called in Ron Dellums and we called in mm-hmm. uh, all these different people we called in Carolyn Hunter Williams who was a sister who worked at Polaroid who was with Ken Williams with the Polaroid revolutionary workers they're the ones who actually started the divestment campaign against apartheid they started before the CBC did we had her on the show other networks we not gonna have her on y'all keep hearing me tell you why we have to have this. Because if we don't have these platforms, we don't have the place to be able to hear these voices. Let's just be real honest. You wouldn't have heard the things that Kwame had to say and Rock had to say and the reflections of Greg and and John Murray and Joe Randall and Carla Hall and Ashton and Reverend Jackson and Andrew Young and Mark Morial if you have no place to do it. So you can have thoughts and memories, and yes, you can share those things on Instagram and on Twitter, but it's a different thing when you begin to put those things together, just like a meal. (laughs) You can have a glass of wine by itself. You can have a piece of chicken by itself. You can have a a bowl of gumbo, jollof rice by itself, but it's a whole different deal when you put it all together on the table and you have a full meal. That's what this is all about. I turned 50 in November, and I could have easily I could have easily said I'm gonna work for a mainstream media outlet. I could have easily knocked on doors and say, oh, please, 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 can I be a contributor? Uh, what can we do? I said, no, we're gonna do this here. And there's people who told me, you're crazy, you shouldn't do this here. People said, look, is, look how much money gonna cost? And the reality is, it has cost. I said, "This people, my staff knows this. I don't get a salary from this show. We have not built the show to the point where I can pay myself. This is no different, they can probably attest, this is no different when you start a restaurant. Yo, you gotta pay everybody else. You gotta pay the food bill, you gotta pay, you gotta pay your grocery, you gotta pay your distributor, you gotta pay your staff just to keep the doors open. But the point is to build it so you're able to do so. We must be able to have something that is ours. Dookie Chase's was ours. Pascal's was ours. Sylvia's was ours. They were places that we could congregate. Sweats in Nashville. Mm -hmm. That was ours. You had restaurants in Houston and other places. Ours. This is why Roland Martin Unfiltered exists. Because I am not asking somebody white, can I? Hmm. I'm not begging them, can you please give Leah Chase 30-second mention on the air? No. That's why Ebony Magazine mattered so much under John A. Johnson. That's why Jet Magazine mattered so much. That's why Chicago Defender mattered so much under Robert Abbott. That's why the Land Daily World mattered so much under A.I. Scott. That's why the Pittsburgh Courier mattered. That's why Ida B. Wells mattered. That's why Frederick Douglass and the North Star mattered. That's why all of these black media outlets mattered, because we didn't have to ask somebody else Please, can you tell our story? The first black newspaper, Freedom's Journal, said in March of 1827 in its lead editorial, we wish to plead our own cause and too long have others spoken for us. We are at a point where we're 24 years away from America being the nation majority of people of color. And how sad will it be if we don't have restaurants to serve our food to our liking with our seasoning? How sad would it be if we had places that didn't play our music? How sad would it be if we don't have media outlets that controlled and told our story the way we wanted it to be told? Hmm. I ask of you to support this show not because, oh, because of what I've done in the past. No, because when you support this show, you support the future stories like Leah Chase. And Here's also why you support this show. Because 30, 40, 50 years from now, 60 years from now, 70 years from now, Mm
8: -hmm.
5: when someone else is talking about Rock Harper, they're going to be able to pull this interview. Talking about Kwame, Mm -hmm.
8: they're
5: going to pull this tape. But if the tape doesn't exist, they will not be able to show it. That's why we must control our narrative. Do you support us, folks, go to rollermark You can join our Brenda Funk Fan Club, Cash App, PayPal, uh, Square. And here's my last point. If black folks did not go to Dookie, Dookie Chase's, it wouldn't exist today. If black folks don't support other entities, they do not exist. We also must fund our freedom. For us, by us. It's not a slogan. It's a lifestyle. It's a mantra. It is a state of mind. Which means that we have to actually do it. And so we certainly want to extend our condolences to the Leah Chase family. Uh, her homecoming, her homegoing uh, will be uh, in the next few days. New Orleans, of course, uh, has a huge uh, celebration on their hand. They're not mourning her, they celebrate in New Orleans 96 years of life. And so I want to thank every person who contributed to this show, our staff as well. They want me to stop talking because they want to go eat some of this food in the back. <laughs> uh, and so right now, our last thing is, Rock, you can go ahead and bring the bread pudding out. I have put out a, uh, something on Twitter. And I said, oh, if somebody in the DMV bring the be- bread pudding by and Rock texted me while I was cooking, Rock said, yo, I got the bread pudding. And so, folks, uh, I want you to share this video. But again, I want you to support us as well. I would love nothing more than to have a thousand of our folks contribute at least 50 bucks, whether it's each month or whether it's a one-time payment, to join our Bring the Funk fan club. This is why we do this show. This is why this show matters. And we need you to make it happen. Folks, I'm gonna see you tomorrow uh, right here, Roller Martin Unfiltered. Have a great one. Enjoy your meal. We are about to enjoy this bread put.